Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 14, The Scat Situation. Happy Thursday afternoon, boys. And Eddie, I got one thing to say to you over there in Paris. I think you're gonna like it in my city. Everybody's welcome here. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, yeah, it's the old Thursday night football song, but unfortunately, I mean, I guess we're lucky that that was such a bad version of it that we won't have any copyright issues. But I thought he was having a stroke. Yeah, well, he probably was, but that's under the desk. Yep, you are absolutely correct. That means it is the start of Thursday night football with a nice little reference to, I think, what had to have been the 2017 Thursday night football intro oh, I think song. It was, I think it was even... I don't even think it was that recent. I think we might go and be going back to like 15, 16 on that one. But definitely the best. 100% the best. And actually, I'm now kind of excited to hear what the new song is tonight because obviously it changes every year. So that I'll make sure to, that I'm tuned in on time so that I can catch the new song and rate it and see if it... There's no way it becomes the best Thursday night of all time, but maybe it overtakes the guard. Yeah, I mean, not only is it the best Thursday night song, it's the best football intro song. It's better than the Hank Williams. It's better than the uh, Carrie Underwood. It definitely takes it down. And Sam, obviously you don't know, but it was this really random song. It was called Welcome to My City. And they would sing it every week. But then depending on who was playing, they would just interject like maybe one random line about the city they were playing. You know, like, it's really sunny in Tampa now. Like when they were playing in Tampa Bay. Oh, so it was so bad, I, but it was I, so funny. <laughs> I mean, it was Priyanka Chopra. So it was like a pretty famous That's person. That's true. And I think, didn't it feature Will I Am too? Wasn't he in there briefly? I think he like does a little <laughs> rap at some point. <laughs> what, every week for the slight difference or like the bass song and then with the... See, I'd be interested to actually know. It's actually one of those things I'd love to know. Like, when do they record the little, like... Because each each time they do it, no matter which version of the song is, they have a little variation. And I don't know if they, what they do is they get... Like, they, they bring the artist in, like, in, like, June, and they record every possible variation. Like, I don't know what they just do that then. Or if they kind of call them and be like, hey, can you hit the studio up quickly and really, like, just do a, like, Jags versus like uh patriots quick uh update for us please i have to think they do it really quick at once in the in the beginning that would be but the guess. only i mean the only reason why i mean i guess they'd have to bring them back in right but there's that moment when the thursday night like officially the saturday night game around christmas is technically the thursday night game right like it gets billed as like the thursday night crew like they take over and they still use that song so for that one at least because they don't know that one at the beginning of the season they have to bring them back in for that. That's true. And I guess later in the year, games get flexed, right? So for like yeah, a but Sunday that's only game. the that's only the Sunday ones, yeah. And they have a specific song for the Sunday night games. I don't know how they do that because they flex those pretty late sometimes. Yeah. Well, for those who are completely living in a box, we are talking about the arrival of the NFL season starting tonight in Kansas City, which they're having fans. I don't know if you guys saw that. I think they're having about 15,000, if I saw correctly. Yeah, it's insane. That's really surprising. I yeah. saw that, like, because multiple teams are complaining, right? Because they're saying, 
like how can it's not a fair league if some if some teams are having home like fans at home and other teams aren't and like some teams have accepted the fact that they're not going to have any this year basically whereas some are hoping to have full capacity relatively soon like if you listen to like uh, jerry jones <laughs> but but i mean they're allowing them to have pumped in sound noise right i don't know how they're balancing because the nfl has sent them the noise they're going to pump in so it's like official nfl crowd noise they haven't been whereas they haven't been allowed to make it themselves i think like in the premier league and the bundesliga and stuff those teams put together their audio but i guess what they don't want is some team just putting up like you don't have much of a like home like a team of whistles well, yeah or you like you know like obviously like the, the chiefs and the seahawks are like famous for having high decibel home crowds you don't want suddenly to like attend the dolphins game and they've got chiefs level audio going so i guess that's why they're doing it but i don't know how they balance it out like if you got 15,000 fans in for the chiefs does that mean they only get the 15,000 fans sound or do they get in addition to that they get to pump in their own audio that's the bit so, I, I, so they get like 25% actual 75% fake yeah i don't know that, how that works that's going to be hard to like you'd need like an orchestra to like do something with the kind of decibel levels the the nfl also i think it hasn't been officially released like what the decibel limits are and I don't know if they varied that from team to team. I guess the logical thing, right, would be to say, like, we've taken your average. That's what you're maxed at. If you're smart, because to do it the same for every team would be unfair. Because, like, the Chargers have no atmosphere. So you can't yeah. put the situation in the Chargers, like, <laughs> suddenly have the same atmosphere as the Chiefs. Yeah, and it would also be unfortunate for the players where this year, you know, if the Dolphins are playing at home and they get these loud, pumped-in crowd noises – and are kind of feeling good about themselves and then come next year when they allow fans again and there's 4,000 people in the stadium and they're just like, oh man, this sucks again now. Like, I'd rather play against the fake noise with the fake noise. Oh, I mean, 100% at some point, right, probably some like Chargers player is probably going to like put out an Instagram picture or like a tweet out like best home atmosphere of my Chargers career. Like at some point that's got to happen. But what I don't get is that how disarming must it be for a player to hear a, like 80,000 see the stadium level roar, but to look around and there's like 6,000 people in there. Like, Christ, they're bellowing this out. This is amazing. What hard. Well, at least they won't hands. have to. Yeah. At least they won't have to deal with that situation like in England with the Premier League, right? Where they even added in like jeers. So you'd have a yeah, player and go whistles and boos and yeah, you'd have a you'd have like a player on the other team go down injured and they would be like jeers from this fake, which I always was just like, I want to see the scenario where the player is like severely broken his leg and, and booing it's just some like the physio coming on. <laughs> yeah, it's just some like intern like asshole up in, in some booth just being like jeer button, jeer button, jeer button, and they're like, his career is over, and he's just like boo. boo. Yeah, didn't that didn't that happen in the Bundesliga when they started it when um I think it might have been Bayern or someone like that where they hit the side netting, but obviously the guy in charge of the sound thought it was a goal, so he just let off this massive scream. They did so they did in the Premier League too. In the Premier League they did in one game where the goal celebration went on for 30 seconds even though the ball had hit the side netting. And I don't know if it's one of those things that maybe once they start it, they kind of can't stop it. Like that might be the situation. Like they press that, they press the like 30 second celebration button and they're just like, oh shit. Like, And before we get into the NFL picks, Eddie, I just wanted to make sure we put this out there because it's one of the greatest sports feats 
in probably the history of Europe. Um, do you know what happened yesterday, eight years ago? Sam, you don't bother guessing because there's no way you're going to know. <laughs> uh, do I know what happened yesterday, eight years ago? Oh, September yeah. September 9th, 2012. We, we won the embassy softball tournament. <laughs> exactly. One of the greatest wins in the history in the fields of Paris. Oh, I think in the world. <laughs> Was that a Facebook the, memory? Uh, yeah. I mean, one of the biggest FUs to the team that turned us down. The fact that yes. the U.S. Embassy refused to have us on our team. We instead organ- put together our own team, knocked them out in the quarterfinals and then went on to win the tournament that was one of the most satisfying moments of my life well not only did first off there was only at the time three of us that really wanted to play on the u.s embassy team and i would argue all three of us were better than anyone they had on the u.s embassy team at the time we were all very good they refused to let us on for i don't know what reason so eddie Oh, I know the reason he responded to me. So for context, like I emailed, we heard, so we play in this like normal men's fast pitch softball league in Paris. And one of the guys who played on the Dominican team in that he told us like, Hey, they're trying to organize this embassy uh, softball league. We're all playing for the Dominican embassy. You guys should contact the U S embassy because I'm sure they'll need players. He gave me the contact email address of the guy who was organizing the U S team. That guy was the Air Force attache to Paris. So like a pretty senior person within the U.S. Air Force. I sent this guy an email saying like, hey, we play in this men's fast pitch softball league. We're pretty good. And uh, we're playing against a lot of the people who you're going to be playing against in the competition. So we kind of know we're up to standard. Do you need any extra players? He wrote back saying, we have like hundreds of Marines stationed in Paris. I don't think we need anyone else. It was the most dismissive email ever. Wow. wow. And then, so we turned up. We, so wait, we who did we play for? Tell them who we played for instead. Oh, so then, so then the, we contacted the guy who told me, like, you should contact the U.S. Embassy. I told him they don't want us. And he said, I think the organizer of the competition will let you put in another team as long as you represent an embassy not already participating in the tournament. So then we're like, can we just pick one or do we need their approval? He was like, I think you probably, if they got like an embassy in Paris, you need, you probably their need approval, them to be on board with it. <laughs> can't just and do so, it on the path. <laughs> well, we kind of did. So <laughs> because, we contacted, no, we contacted guy, them. Yeah, but they didn't respond before the tournament started. But we, um, I, so because my mother's Guyanese, I was like, okay, let, why don't we do Guyana? Like, there's no way they want to put a softball team in this tournament. And they only have, like, one person kind of, like, they don't have an embassy. They just have the person who works at, like, UNESCO and the OECD is, like, their unofficial ambassador to France. And so I contacted the embassy in London to see if they would give us the okay. They responded once we'd already signed up, um, but they were totally fine with it. And then it also asked us to tell them the results. So then we represented Guyana. We got our like Guyanese provided uniforms and uh, won the tournament. Probably the greatest, you know, outside of cricket, probably the greatest Guyanese sporting achievement of all time. That could actually be a pretty good argument. But I'll like, yeah, I'll never forget because we played the Americans in the quarterfinals on the end of the last, the first day, because it was a two day tournament. On the end of the first day, we played the Americans 
and we blew them out of the water. Well, I you, specifically remember we were up pretty good. And then I remember Tim got up and hit an absolute bomb of a home run. And then I got up next and hit like an even further bomb of a home run. And at that point we were just piling it on. And I remember us like all cheering very sarcastically and, and really aggressively just to really rub it into this team that wanted nothing to do with us as we're hitting moonshots over their outfielders. You're also forgetting, right? We played them in the opening game of our group stages and we lost to them. Pretty bad. It was our only, only defeat of the tournament and they were really cocky assholes when they beat us. Yeah. Now the tournament that didn't work well for us. That was a really early morning game, and that did. Not I don't think. Suit. I don't think we even had our full team, and we were yeah, it did really not tired and hungover. The, uh, you yeah, were uh, out drinking, weren't you? I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. And uh, but when we beat them, I remember too. Like probably in like the fifth inning, uh, I was coaching third base, and it was in front of their dugout, and their like coach came out, and he walked up to me as the third base coach, and he was like this is a fucking joke you guys are all fucking american anyway and i was like actually you know what we only have three americans on this team like most of these guys who you think are american they're not like including myself like you're definitely categorizing like you're putting me in the american category and i was like i'm not american he's like yeah you're, you're american and i was like nope sorry not and i was like it's just those three people including basically the only people who mattered were you and tim in the american standpoint like I yeah. think I guess we had four, right? Because we also had Carissa and Chelsea, and that was it. Yeah, that was our American representation in the tournament. So, and I don't think they were complaining. With all due respect to Carissa and Chelsea, but I don't <laughs> think they were complaining that we had Carissa and Chelsea on the team. <laughs> yeah, and then we beat the Dominicans in the actually it was the semis. We beat them, right? Yeah, because the final was the anticlimax. Because we beat the, yeah. we had a classic against the Dominicans, like we we squeaked it out against them. And that was the final. And then we played the Cubans. Was it the Cubans and or then, the rest of the world? Yeah, we, and then we crushed them. No, we, yeah, it was but the rest the, of the world because the Cubans got thrown out of the tournament because the Cubans got in there. One guy got in a like, huge fight with the umpire and the Cubans were disqualified from the tournament. And the other good thing was the Dominicans are known for being very poor sports and also very cocky. They think they're like the greatest at softball in Paris. And they considered themselves heavily favored. And we beat them and they were so pissed they didn't even show up for their third third, third place game. That's how pissed they were. I mean, in fairness, Frank, they are the best at softball in Paris. So their, (laughs) their confidence is justified. And if we had been setting odds before the game, they were heavy favorites. I would have loved to have been on the sideline like running a book on the games it would have been oh they would have been my guess is the dominicans would have been like one to four pre-game favorites yeah and then the only thing that rivaled the win of the tournament was the post celebrations after it was almost as if france had won the world cup the way we took our trophy and paraded it through the streets of paris from bar to bar and i'll never forget because it, it was as if we were professional athletes. Like we would go into a bar and they would take us behind the bar and we would do, be doing like shots and drinks behind the bar. Then they would fill it up with either beer or champagne, this big ass trophy. And we would just chug from the trophy. And we went to at least four bars doing that. And then yeah. ended up at, at the bar we always would end up at and just had like an epic, epic night. Oh, and people took pictures with us. 
when we were walking on the street a few times, people Multiple. stopped us and asked, like, what have you won? Because we were carrying the trophy. The trophy was, like, decently impressive. We also all had our medals around our neck for the entire evening. And we were still wearing our, oh, like, team T-shirts. <laughs> My favorite part was we had to take this public bus back from the where the diamonds were to... Um, to like where we could get get back into Paris because it was outside of Paris. And we got into this public bus and there was only one other guy on it who was a guy in a suit in his like 50s or 60s. And the, we all just piled onto this bus and proceeded to loudly like celebrate and drink on the bus. This guy was supposed to, obviously he'd planned out like taking this quiet public bus on a Sunday afternoon. And the look on his face for the like 20 minutes we were on the bus with him, I have never seen someone more miserable in their lives. <laughs> In fact, he we have us. that we have that very picture, and I'll post yeah. it up on our Instagram so everyone yeah. can see. He just, he just, he wants to a look like he killed, like wants to kill himself, but for sure, before he kills himself, he wants to kill all of us first. He's taken down the bus. Oh yeah, yeah. So that that was eight years ago. We're coming up on the ten year anniversary. We should probably uh, oh, we gotta get the team ESPN, back together. See if they want to do a thirty for thirty. Yeah. Was there a British team? What if I told you a group of ragtag Americans joined together to beat every embassy in Paris? I'll change my uh, top five sports movie because that's the film Miracle, right? Yeah, it's better than Miracle. And we had a few like, you know, good uh, motivational speeches going into it, too. So it's kind of a blend of Miracle, Any Given Sunday and Gladiator. Yeah, with also like that happy Gilmore element, right? Because we did have to teach a couple people how to swing a bat in order to be on the team. So there's that element yeah. of it too. The production value here is fantastic. I'm I'm really seeing something good if we're combining like Gladiator with Happy Gilmore. What Eddie was speaking on, that's how top loaded of a team we were. That the bottom of our order, we had two or three people that could barely swing a bat that we just needed to fill spots for that were automatic outs. And we were still dominating teams. Like absolutely we also, dominating. We also had, it was a slow pitch tournament. We normally played fast pitch. It was a slow pitch mixed tournament. We had a pitcher who got the yips and who could not, <laughs> you could not pitch slow pitch. So he kept walking people in slow pitch softball. And I was oh literally God. would go up to him. We'd have to like, we have to like call for time and go to consult with him and just be like, just lob it over the plate. Like you're not trying to strike him out. Just get the ball in play. That's all like trust your defense and get the ball in play. And then he'd be like, okay, I got it. I got it. Well, the other thing too was he would always argue that it was really difficult to do. He's like, guys, it's not as easy as it looks. And it's like, no, it is as easy as it looks. And I would take the ball and just do like four tosses that would be perfectly over the plate. Like, this is very simple. You're literally lobbing it over the plate. It's not difficult. Yeah, it's underarm tossing a ball. It's like the easiest form of catch imaginable. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that should bring us into our the main American sport, American football. Week one has finally arrived. And what seems like a very, to me, actually, everyone keeps saying it's been forever, but to me, it's really quick because we haven't had any preseason or anything. So it's like, it just came right up on us. Um, I mean, the world today, has literally collapsed, right? Since the Super yeah. Bowl, the world has literally That's collapsed. True. It's been a long eight months. So first game, we have Chiefs-Texans tonight. So that should be pretty fun, entertaining game. You have two of the top paid QBs now in the league. Um, I've cleared out my entire schedule, did everything this morning, so I can 
hang out, order some wings, maybe a pizza. I was going to do nachos, but I don't have any meat to top the nachos with. So I thought, then what's the point of making nachos? Oh, right? God. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Just, just let him have it and move on. What next, Frank? I don't know. I think, why don't we get into the football? And I think what was our plan this year to have us each do all of our picks for each game, who's going to win and the spread, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess we may as well start with the Thursday night game. It's obviously too, it's interesting, right? Cause it's, it's obviously normal for the Thursday night for the season to kick off with the Super Bowl defending Super Bowl champions playing. But the fact that this is a rematch of a playoff game on their way to winning the, the Super Bowl makes it even more interesting. And from in the game in which they came back from 24 down, uh, it's kind of an interesting one to see see if the Texans can kind of have a little bit of a revenge, even though they made probably the worst offseason move of any team. But I don't want to tip my hat on my uh, on what my pick is going to be. Wasn't there a game like three, three, four seasons ago, maybe, where the Super Bowl was actually the first game of the next season? All right, Sam. So you have all the uh, spreads and stuff, right? Yeah, I got the data. Cool. So you got the data. All right, let's do this. So we'll do straight up and point spread. So um, Texans Chiefs, I got Chiefs minus nine and a half. So let's start with Eddie. Yeah, I mean, I think nine and a half is like just about right on the spread. Like the Texans are a decent team. So it's a little bit daunting to take nine and a half points against like a pretty good team. Because if you assume that the Texans have the like ability to score maybe 24 points, but then when you kind of mentally work it out and you assume the Chiefs are going to average like 30, 30 to 35 points a game, I will take them. I will take the, the Chiefs both obviously straight up and with the spread. I think the Texans are the fact that they lost their main, you know, they lost Hopkins. Like it's hard for me to think that they in any way close the gap. And in a way, like everything about the Chiefs. I know they lost like that one member of their offensive line because he opted out, right? The that French Canadian guy who's the neurologist, um, who I think was their left tackle or something. But um, at the same time, they like drafted that running back who looks really scary. So I think that they're just going to be even faster and even even more dominant offensively. So I'll take the Chiefs both in both spread and straight up. Yeah, I mean. They can lose almost all the players they want, but as long as they still have Mahomes, Kelsey, Hill, I mean, it's their offense is just dominant. You know, four or five people on that offense. Their offense could literally be the whole Pro Bowl. They're, they're specialty players. Um, I definitely would go Chiefs money line. The issue with nine and a half is it's definitely over that one score. So... It's tough because I don't. I almost don't like betting a team to win by nine and a half because then it takes away from the fun of watching the game. Where that would mean that they have to be up two or three scores, and then it's like, why am I even bother watching anymore? You know, I'd rather watch a really close game to the end. But I think that the Chiefs minus nine and a half is is a pretty solid pick. I think they'll put up forty, and that no way the Texans can put up thirty. Okay. Um, I'll keep mine a little bit simpler. Um, I'll go Chiefs money line, but I think I hate backing a team on a spread to win by double digits. 
I just, I hate it. And I know 9.5 is literally same by 10. So it's the lowest you can possibly be. But as Eddie said, I think over two scores, they're a good enough team. Slow starts, first game of the seasons can happen. I, I just think nine and a half is too much. So I'm going to go Chiefs, but I'm going to go plus. I'm going to take the Texans. So I'll do the plus nine and a half. So we've already got some difference, which is good. All right, next up. Uh, probably one of the more interesting teams for right or wrong reasons is uh, the Dolphins at the Pats. So uh, what do you all think about a very new look Patriots team? Well, what's the spread? Yeah, that's a good bit of knowledge. Uh, six and a half to the Pats, so minus six and a half. Yeah, I mean, this to me is more of a bet against the Dolphins than it is me being fully confident the Pats are still going to be the dominant Pats they are. I just don't have any confidence in the Dolphins until they prove otherwise. I mean, they didn't add much to the team. Who You have Fitzmagic. That's my only worry is Fitzmagic loves to do these early season amazing wins. So that, I guess, is a little bit of a worry, especially when Eddie's going to pick. But I have to think they have to prove me wrong. So I'll go Pats and then Pats with the, with the spread as well. I don't think that's that outrageous of a spread against a Dolphins team that might only win four games this year. Yeah. I mean, I'll take the, I'll take the Pats straight up and with the spread, I wouldn't have total confidence in it because I guess the Patriots are one of the, maybe the team with the most turnover this year, not necessarily in number, but in terms of significance of the turnover. And so it would be one of those games where I'd, I kind of like to see how they look for a couple of weeks before really being confident. Um, that being said, I agree with Frank. Like it's, it's more of a pick against the Dolphins, who I know picked up towards the back end of last season. And they really looked like they rallied, you know, with the um, – but still, they're not going to be that good this year. So you have to assume if the Patriots are going to be halfway decent, this has to be one of those ones that they're going to win. And Frank's also right. I have been burned in the past – by, I mean, famously once, I guess that was two years ago when Fitzpatrick won in week one. And then, and he beat the Saints. I think that was the game. He beat oh, the Saints in week. And it was my game. one loss in my bet. And oh. I said to Frank at the time, like, he was amazing in that game, right? And then I, I said to Frank, like, he's going to be terrible next week. Like, this, I know how this works. Like, and he was awful. But he's that he's that quarterback. Like you know, you know, in a given if he plays sixteen games, he's going to have four great games. He's going to have four great games. He's going to have six absolutely terrible ones. Did you know he's really smart and has a ton oh, of yeah. kids, and, and he's, he's really quirky? quirky. He's so quirky. <laughs> Did you know that, Eddie? <laughs> All right, Sam, what's your pick? Uh, I don't really disagree with any of your logic, so I'll go Pats and uh, the minus six and a half. Um, as much as the Pats are in a bit of a transition at the moment, if they're even, even at best, if they're inconsistent, I still fancy them beating the Dolphins by a touchdown. So, um, yeah, I'm going Pats minus six and a half. I, I think that was one of the I'd say easier ones, but I think the Patriots could have had a harder game to kick things off or to have more of a struggle in opinion with. Um, next game I mean, might I'll be a bit to, more interesting. But. I'll say to everyone, don't like... I guess on paper, it looks one of the easier ones, right? But people shouldn't pencil this in. Like, this is not the Patriots team from the last 20 years. So it's one of those where you do in the back of your... Like, there is every chance that a week from now, they've lost and they looked terrible. 
and we're like, we should have known. They did lose a lot of defensive players. Their wide receivers are not good. And Cam Newton is Cam Newton, and he, you know, he's not Tom Brady. It's a new system for him. They didn't have a full preseason. Like, I, you can imagine the scenario in which they've lost this game. So I would say on paper looks one of the easier ones because you're thinking of it historically, but there is that risk that that man, Monday morning we feel that you, we could have there were there were lots of reasons to think that this could have been one of those upsets. Yeah, and if you listen to our NFL preview, which if you didn't, definitely go back and listen to it, episode twelve. We all picked the Bills to win this division, so we all do assume exactly kind of what some at least some of what Eddie's saying where they're not going to be the Patriots of old and, you know, maybe they sneak into the playoffs, but I think we all, we all agreed that the bills were the better team for this division right now. All right. Browns at the Ravens and the Ravens are straight up by a touchdown. So seven. I mean, Um, I'm going to, I'm going to go first. Okay. I'm going to go first. Yeah. Let's do this so um i'm gonna pick the ravens to win basically because i think the seasons last year for these teams were interesting because obviously there was a lot of confidence around the browns and they didn't deliver and the ravens there was not as much expectation in my opinion that they would do you know as well or as much as they did and then i, I think it's slightly flipped but i also agree with Eddie's opinion that maybe that hype, again from the preview, that hype was maybe like a year too early. So I'm still going to take the Ravens by a score. I don't really like the seven because it introduces a push. So I I prefer when it's 0.5s, but I'm going to take the Ravens minus seven. I don't think much has changed with them. And I just think they're better than the Browns for that reason. So I'm going to go Ravens minus seven. I'll, I'll make sense. my prediction. I want to go first, actually, because you know <sighs> you I steal my to, joke. I, I'm probably going to steal some. You're going to steal my joke. joke, but you know, like I might want to walk back the the hype train being one one year too early on the Browns because the thing we didn't realize when we made those predictions was that Odell Beckham likes people taking a shit on his face, and he he likes to carry that from the, his private life onto the field, and that's the thing we didn't know about him. So. You know, maybe he's looking forward to the idea of Lamar Jackson and the Browns just, you know, just taking a massive dump all over him this weekend. Wait, what's the new story? Is that literally it, or have you somehow like paraphrased? No, that's this pretty thing? much the story. So it's similar, actually. You know, it's actually a little worse. It's yeah. a little worse than that because you know, there's two weeks. aspects. Yeah. Okay. A few weeks ago, when we spoke about there was these this girl on a podcast who spoke about how she'd blown all of the Phoenix Suns. Um, there was a similar reveal. I think it might've been the same podcast, but if not, it was copying the, the same it's, format. I'm almost and positive. It, it's the same podcast that it basically just has a lot of Instagram celebrities and other people who seem to socialize, let's say a lot with professional athletes and famous people. So they have pretty good insider stories that I guess they've never signed a non-disclosure agreement for, and that's probably going to start to change pretty soon. (laughs) And so basically Sam, the story was this girl revealed that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. had flown her in to 
And then his request was that she um, not wear underwear for 24 hours and not wash herself in that 24 hour period. She sent him a video of her pooping uh, before this. And then that when his, her request was, his request was that then she pooped in his mouth on his face, as, like during sex, which she then said she didn't do. Now here's the he thing requested is, it. yeah, here's the thing is, I believed the Phoenix Suns one. I don't know if I believe this one. This one feels to me a little bit like this is easy. Like we say something like if you're going to pick someone in the NFL, if I was going to make this rumor up about anyone in the NFL, I think Odell Beckham would probably be the one because he might be the most famous outside of Mahomes. He's probably the most famous football player and he might even be more famous than Mahomes. And it just seems with also with Odell Beckham Jr. Like, you could kind of believe anything that gets linked to him, which kind of makes him different from a lot of players. If it is true, my biggest issue with it isn't so much that Odell Beckham likes to like, is as like a poop fetish. My bigger Stat issue with fetish, it. fetish, I think is what they call it. Yeah. Sorry. I'm not down with the, the yeah, sorry, terminology. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Didn't mean to offend you. <laughs> but, uh, we are people but, too, Eddie. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I didn't. Did, have you ever seen uh, Odell at one of your scat anonymous meetings? <laughs> I guess you can't say. Not but, so uh, anonymous, right? <laughs> but uh, my bigger issue is that, and look, I don't want to be out here like judging how women look. I don't want to turn us into one of those podcasts. Uh-huh. She was not attractive, though. So if Odell Beckham Jr. is flying in people who look like that to poop on him, the first thing he needs to do is raise his standards. Isn't it to do with Eddie? Wait, 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 wait. Hang on, no, that would be more to do with people having the willingness to do it. I think you're going to have to. I think Odell Beckham. If Odell Beckham Jr. is into this, I think Odell Beckham Jr. could get. There are thousands of women who would be lining up to poop on Odell Beckham Jr.'s face. Yeah, but here's here's the difference, Eddie. Maybe she wasn't the most attractive face-wise, but maybe her shitting was just like 10 out of 10 because she did send the video and she said she made the video as sexy as she could of her defecating. So how do you not know that maybe, yeah, maybe her face is a five or a six, but maybe down below that, what the show she put on, that's a 10 out of 10. You don't know. Well, here's the thing I'll say, Frank, I'm not a scat man, but but, but even though I'm not a scat man, if my option was sleeping with her, watching her poop might be the thing I would go for. I love how all you can say is poop. I mean, sorry, yeah. w- watching her take a massive shit. Is that better? Do you want me to be really aggressive with my description? Isn't, of it? Wait, isn't uh, like, I assume that there was a bit of diet control before this from Beckham Jr. as well. It's not like I want you to eat a massive burrito 24 hours before you come I mean, see you'd, me. You'd think if you're, if you're going to want it, you're going to want a big one, right? Yeah. And, well, high I fiber diet. High fiber diet for 48 well, here's the hours thing too, before and, you and, I don't and, understand why the 24 hour thing links in though. I think like he just how wants does it stinky. not showering for twenty? Yeah. But, he wants it stinky, but, but not showering for twenty-four hours it's, doesn't make your shit stinky. Well, it's, no, it's he COVID, wants her. It's COVID nineteen. He wants her. He wants her ass sure stinky, Frank. He wants her ass stinky. But I mean, oh, here's God. the thing. I and really, what I also don't get is like, and maybe Sam, you can. You're more into this community in in a way, right? Oh, for uh, fuck's sake, what? <laughs> maybe. How do you get into that? Like, how do you figure out that's your thing? I don't know. Why would Why would I? 
have any sort of illusions as to that. I don't know. In your <laughs> exactly. degenerate, the degenerate community degenerate circles you run in. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So you don't want to, you don't want to be that kind of podcast that maybe <laughs> goes against women in terms of like looks. I don't want to look. But I'm you're happy to call my society look, degenerate. Yeah. Look, I will not be, I never want to be misconstrued as a misogynist. You know, I never, never, ever wanted that, but I will happily slander homosexuals. <laughs> <laughs> I personally don't think it's a coincidence that Otto Beckham Jr. likes this when there is a sex move known as a Cleveland steamer. Well, that's the thing, right? That's the other reason. It's set up like they're the Browns. There's the Cleveland steamer. Like every <laughs> yeah, possible endless. joke. It's just, and that is almost the other reason. It's either the perfect storm or it's, someone's made it up thinking because here's the thing is i saw he kind of reacted right like he's kind of reacted on instagram a couple times with mostly just like laughing emojis and kind of made jokes about himself no no did you hear no this is the this is his the poop post. emoji he goes no he said can't knock me off my pivot dot 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 no matter what shit's thrown my way hot like and then bracket laughing preferably emoji. in my mouth well it's impossible to react to that one right because is that a guy who's just like whatever this is nonsense or is it a guy who's just like yeah i am into that who cares oh i don't think you could ever say that publicly i mean uh, yeah <laughs> okay eddie let's let's just backtrack how many other famous celebrities have ever <laughs> confessed this publicly well here's the issue if i were working for his pr team what i would, and he told me like how am i going to react to this i would basically tell him just turn it into a joke because if you deny yeah. it, it's not going to change anything. If you deny yeah. it, Richard Gere. Play, Play it down as much like as Rich, possible. Richard Gere has spent the last 20 years, 30 years, denying that he likes gerbils up his ass, and, and no one cares. <laughs> if, you mention gerbil, if you mention gerbil, people mention Richard Gere, and probably people saying that don't even know who Richard Gere is. <laughs> I'm so glad that uh, or hamsters, my grandma said she started to download this podcast now. Oh, yeah, a great one for, this is a great one for her to start on. Yeah. <laughs> Good way to kick it off, right? So, uh, yeah, if you want, if you want, I'll insert a content warning before we preview the Browns. Game. <laughs> we'll just call this one the steamer situation. <laughs> but, but I do love how. So his he posted up another Instagram post today, and it was something like, "Crazy thing life taught me is before you get one win, you got to take a thousand losses." And the comment section for the rest of this season, at least, is just oh, riddled. Wrestling, no. Rest with things life, like Frank got got to get that shit off your chest grind season now gotta bounce back after all that shit they put you through clear your mind get all this shit off your chest ah, real shit 100 percent. you're worried about the wrong the wrong browns <laughs> like it's just doo-doo browns <laughs> this is one shitty situation <laughs> how many of those are freddie kitchens you keep shitting on them it's just like non-stop <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, that's yeah. the rest of his life. He's the poop guy for the rest of his life. There's no, yeah. it's going to be you know like, what? Do it's going to be two things. Help? It's going to be two things about Odell. Odell is going to retire and people are going to be like, wow, amazing catches. And he likes being shat on. Like those are the two things now that was going to define him. It, it also doesn't help that he's been, um, I don't know what the right way to say this is. Like it's yeah. been very mysterious as to like, his 
partners and things like that. Do you know what I mean? Like he never publicly comes out, except I think now he has a girlfriend. But for like the past three or four years, the big thing was that secretly everyone knows Odell Beckham Jr. is gay. Well, didn't he post a picture when he was in like Monaco or something with a girl and there was Coke? Yeah. Didn't didn't he also have that one where he like put an Instagram post up and there was like Coke and like a line of Coke in the background or something? So it doesn't help that he has like this promiscuousness. Is that a word? I don't know. Yes, sort of. (laughs) Close, close enough. Kind of, close enough. You get it. It can be. He's he's Prometheus. You're right. But the the real the 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 real issue is is like how difficult is that for his girlfriend? Like not not even talking about it from the context of whether or not like it was cheating, but now you have to assume right. Like if he's really into this if it's true that she's done it, like if you're one of her friends or if you're meeting her, you yeah. would have to be like, have you pooped on him? Do you do it? Yeah. It's got to become yeah. something now, isn't it? I mean, if you're her parents, you know, she's dating Odell. You got to be picturing in your mind. Like, I think my daughter like shits on Odell Beckham Jr. I would just ask at the dinner table. I think that would be fantastic conversation. You, yeah. you, the way you bring it up is like you, you'd invite them. Chocolate over for ice dinner. cream. No, you'd be like, is there enough fiber in this meal for the two of you? Or like, uh, do we need to throw in some more? I just say like, hey, we got a new uh, soft serve ice cream machine. Odell, you want to lay underneath it and we'll put some chocolate down on your chest? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that was All right, Eddie, so you never actually told us your pick, Eddie. Eddie. What was your pick? Are they going to pick? My pick is going to be, yeah, I mean, here's the thing is, yeah, I kind of already talked up the Browns last week in the NFL preview, right? I think they're going to be significantly better this year just because of the fact that not having a someone with an IQ under 60 as their head coach is going to help them. But um, my, I, and also when you look back at last year, right, the Ravens-Browns games, even when the Browns were were bad, were close, they beat the Ravens once. I'm going to take the Ravens to win, but I'm going to take the Browns with the points. Yeah, I'll make it really simple. I'm going to do exactly what Eddie said. Ravens to win, Browns with the points. I do not think the Browns will get shit on. So, Ugh. At least not till after the game. Yeah. <laughs> or halftime yeah. if they're lucky. Hell of an after party, right? All right. Yeah, I mean, he'll fit in. You know, some, they'll be, you know, like when they put the goggles on. When uh, when they like <laughs> when they win a championship, they're spraying the champagne. You'll just have Odell come out with goggles on, just smeared in brown. <laughs> All right, back to it. Uh, Jets are the Bills. Uh, the Bills are six and a half point favorites. This to me is surprising that the Bills are only six and a half point favorites. I don't know what the Jets have done this off season or what the Jets have done the past two seasons to warrant this versus a team that made the playoffs last year has gotten better in the off season. And by all accounts is having a great, um, not preseason, but um, before season workouts, things like that. So I'm pretty heavily in on the bills to win and the bills with the points. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I guess the only argument for the jets, right. Is that when Sam Darnold is fit and healthy, their record is pretty good. So I guess that's the only thing you could say for them. But yeah, they they don't look like they're a happy team. Uh, so it's hard to imagine them. I'll make it easy. I, I obviously spoke up the Bills in the in the preseason preview. And I'll take the Bills both ways. Episode twelve, go check it out. Yeah. I d I don't I don't disagree with either. I think I think actually it's one of the 
the best kind of bets is taking the bills with the spread of six and a half. So yeah, I'm doing exactly the same as you guys. Um, Raiders at the Panthers. I'll try and save us time on this. I think this is the second least interesting game or second, like however I'm going to express that properly. Um, I think two just dull teams and I am going to take the Oh, Raiders. I forgot to tell you the Panthers are, uh, Raiders are three point favorites. Yeah. I'll, I'll take the Raiders with the points and to win. And that's more of a pick against the Panthers than it is a pick for the Raiders. I think they're both bad, but I'm going to assume the Panthers are worse. Frank? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do the same. Um, like I said in the, in our preview, it's just really strange to me that you have a Panthers team without Cam Newton, Luke Keekley, and Greg Olson. I mean, that was their identity, and now you're kind of just left with McCaffrey. And I don't think he can – he can carry teams, but to carry basically a minor league team, <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, and I don't really like the Vegas – Raiders that much but three isn't that huge of a spread so I'll take Vegas and I'll take Vegas to win with the points okay I'm going the same as well no it just sounds like I'm waiting for you two to say something and copy so I'll go first you went first once that's true I'll go first again um she said Seahawks not to me Seahawks at the Falcons and the Seahawks are two and a half point favorites I am going, I really like this. I'm going with the Seahawks and the two and a half point spread. I actually rate their chances this year and I, I don't really rate the Falcons. So I'm going Seahawks two and a half points. I'm going to mix things up here because I know I've got to pick some upsets at some point. No, oh, Frank looks unhappy because it was going to be his upset pick too. Not that it's a huge upset, but you know you got to pick a couple of surprises. And I think the Falcons have so many weapons on offense. I think the Seahawks are obviously going to be really good this year, but I think this is one where I think the Falcons are going to be good, and I think it's maybe a decent matchup for them. I mean, obviously they're starting, right? I mean, that's the thing, right? Aren't all of their 11 offensive players, aren't they all former first-round picks? I'm going to take the Falcons straight up and with the two and a half points. Yeah, slightly stole my thunder, but I'm... I've never been the hugest Seahawks fan in terms of picking them. They seem to disappoint me in games when I pick them. And then when I pick against them, they seem to play really well and either cover the spread or win outright. So I'll continue going against them and have them keep beating me to the ground. Uh, I do like the Falcons. I think they're going to have a better year this year. It's just for some reason, the Falcons, like Eddie said, they have a great team on paper, but they, whether it's injuries or just, weird mistakes in game they they never get like a good flow of wins you know they'll usually start really crappy and then pick up and win like five in a row and but if this year they can just get on pace and and play a full season with a full team i think they could be pretty competitive at least in a division um so i'll go i'll go falcons it's a tough one too right because in my mind i always think of this Falcons still as like the kyle shanahan falcons and just being so explosive and so dangerous. And they since Shanahan left, they haven't looked the same. So there is that thought in my mind of like, is it an, uh, like an old image of the Falcons that you keep projecting? I do agree with you. Like I expect Seattle to be good. And Seattle does the same thing to me every year almost, which is early on, I doubt them. By the middle of the season, they win me over. And then the, when I decide to start betting on them, 
is the moment when they start blowing weird games. So they'll spend like six weeks just convincing me they're great. And then by the time they convince me, they kind of the wheels come off a little bit for them. But yeah, I'm going to stick with the Falcons. So um, Eagles at Washington football team and the Eagles Wait, did you make are... a did you make a pick there, Sam? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did Seahawks and oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. You went. I forgot you went first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. now he's kicking himself because now he's heard us no. both pick the Falcons. No, no, no. If, anything, be, uh, if, anything, if anything, is I good think for that's him. One of the better ones because it's a close game where I'm the only yeah. one going that way so actually that works this is how sam the squid is going to be up on yeah, us next this is, no no like, no we have to say this is not sam the squid picking we should have said no that he's more, yeah this he's much more sam picking yeah. i am this more is definitely sam picking that, that being informed. that being said if sam the squid was to have a team seattle would be it right they named their nhl team the, the kraken you know seattle big fishing big fishing place the seattle squids that and then that's where that's where sam would go to live <laughs> Under the sea. But it's meant to be like London, right? Yeah, not too dissimilar. Um, Eagles at Washington football team. Eagles are minus six favorites, which I don't know about you two, but that surprised me that that was lower than it. I thought you would have been looking at over a touchdown at least, kind of like about eight, eight and a half. But um, so for for that reason, I was always going to go Eagles as, as much as they're not a fantastic outfit and they, they have really good offensive weapons, but Washington just have absolutely no, nothing going for themselves this season, right? Uh, I don't know what you guys think, but I'm going Eagles and cover the spread of six. So, Yeah, same for me. And again, it's a kind of a pick against Washington more than it is a pick for Philadelphia. That being said, I picked the Eagles to win the division. So if, if the Eagles are going to win the division, they definitely have to win this game. Um, but yeah, I think Washington will end up being one of the worst teams in the in the league and i do think this is one of those early season spreads where if this game was replayed like four weeks from now the eagles would be 10 11 12 point favorites so i think that's one of those it's going to really change but yeah it's eagles both ways for me yeah i mean Dwayne haskins versus carson wentz uh, and what two and a half points you said so basically almost like a, a toss-up a one-score game no, no, six points. Six points. Oh, six points. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I still take the Eagles pretty easily on that. But, you know, Carson Wentz experience, as long as he doesn't get injured, the pregame warmups, which he might, um, you have to take him over Haskins. The only interesting thing we'll be able to see Chase Young for the first game, and it'll be, be cool to see if he's as good in the pros as he was in college. I mean, he was just straight dominant in college where he would, tear up offensive lines and quarterbacks so that'll be an interesting part uh maybe he'll be the one that knocks carson wentz out this season because he gets knocked out just about every season but for now i'll go eagles to win eagles with the points all right uh frank going straight to you for this one because your lions pick um bears at the lions lions are two and a half point favorites yeah i uh tipped the lions as my pick to win their division in our preview. And I think this is a game that they definitely need to win if they want to do that. So I'm going to stick with the lions to win. I don't think two and a half is very much. Uh, I think they have more weapons, better team. And I think the lions defense is going to be much improved this year with Patricia finally getting the players he needs and the system in place. I think the team will buy in and I think we're going to see a decent lions team this year. So lions to win lions with the spread.
And I'm going to be the total opposite. I'm not, I'm not buying the lions at all. <laughs> I don't think the bears are good, but I'm going to this. I'm just don't think the lion, the little bit of hype that's going on surrounding the lions. I really don't get it. And I definitely don't get anyone having any faith in Matt Patricia. That's for sure. But yeah, so I'm going to take bears plus plus the point with the points and also to win. Is is this hype surrounding the Lions just me and our podcast? Because I haven't heard no, anything no, I've, else. I've heard it elsewhere. I've heard it elsewhere. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reading some articles and stuff, a lot of people, they've been talking about the fact that Matthew Stafford is fully healthy. He had surgery and stuff, and he's coming back, and it's going to be the old Matthew Stafford. I've had a few people, maybe not your level of confidence. I've not seen very many people tipping them to win the division, but I've definitely seen a lot of people saying that they maybe will sneak into the playoffs. Okay. Well, actually, this was one of my ones where I was going against favorites as well. So actually, I'm in Eddie's camp here. I, I, I've Over the years that I've bet on NFL, most of my bets go down because of something the Lions do. And I hate them for it. And I've always had such a negative view on them. But also, I just never really see them... I don't know, maybe this is a bit crude, but I never really see them do much else except kind of... do average I just think they're an average team and first game of the season I kind of like the idea of going with the Bears on a plus and as Eddie said there's always some games where you think you have to go against maybe what their logic is so I'm going to go with the Bears and a 2.5 as well Um, my question is though if if all they need is average do you think it really takes if all they play is average is it really going to take above average to beat the Chicago Bears did you see Mitch Trubisky throwing balls through uh Oh, through God. targets or whatever he was doing in the off season. I think Mitch, this is going to be the year of Mitch. Are you sure you aren't watching the intro to Friday night lights with Matt Saracen throwing into his well, which stage? tire when he, when he was angry, throwing it through the tire when he couldn't do it or later on in the season when he could, uh, when his father wasn't there when he was better. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, I think, I think, look, I think Mitch Trubisky doesn't see out the season because I think Nick Foles eventually wins that job. Like, it's kind of crazy to me in a way that they're sticking with Mitch. Like, that that feels to me a little bit like they're not realizing. It's just like sunk cost, right? They just have to move on and realize they blew a pick and kind of try and get better. Um, but I think Nick Foles by the end of the season is a starter. But I do think, I think, I don't think Mitch Trubisky is as bad as people are making out that he is. And there's still a lot of other talent elsewhere on that Bears on that Bears team. So I think they're better than the Lions. That's all I'm saying. I don't think either one of them is a playoff team. I don't think either one of them is great. But the Bears are better than the Lions is kind of what I'm going on right now. Okay. Um, Colts at the Jaguars. And uh, the Colts are eight-point favorites. I, I tip the Colts to win the division. I, th- I think they're going to be pretty good and have uh, a good offense with Rivers as well. So I am going the Colts. I'm a bit umming and ahhing about eight because I, I think the Colts will win the division, but by a mile, that's one of the weaker divisions, right? I, I don't think they're that great, but they could, they're in with a playoff shot for sure. But I just don't like that spread. But I think, I think I'll probably say they cover it. So I'd probably go with the Colts and minus eight. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I mean, I, I picked the Colts to win the division too. Um, and like you, if that spread was like six and a half, I would love it. But the fact that it is over the, the touchdown. Um, 
is a little bit of a worry, but I think the Jags may be the worst team in the league. So I think the Colts, A, will win the division, and B, are definitely a solid playoff team. They should have been solid. If they hadn't been hit by so many injuries last year, they would have been a playoff team. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take them to cover the spread and, and to win the game. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you guys. I'm just struggling a little bit with the spread. I think the Colts will win. Can Phillip Rivers beat teams consistently by more than one score? I don't know. But for now, I, I'll say yes, just because I love seeing Phillip Rivers get aggressive when he wins. So I'll go them to cover as well. That's the fear too, right? It's the Phillip Rivers. Like I think, I think Rivers is done fundamentally. Yeah. And so the fear is kind of in the same way talking about like, how do you feel the next day after you've picked the Patriots and there were all those reasons to not do it. This is one of those when you pick the Colts and then you'll be, you'll be like midway through the game and Phillip Rivers will just look awful. And you'll be like, I should have, I knew Phillip Rivers is done. Well, I, when I think about that, the thing I struggle with is Jacoby Brissett didn't have a terrible year last year, right? He was, was decent. Yeah, he was fine. He was decent. And if they're putting Phillip Rivers ahead of him, you know, without even a controversy, really, then he must be playing pretty decently because otherwise you have Brissett, who's, who's a pretty good quarterback above average. I mean, you know, you could put him in your top 15, 20 in the league. So if that's the case, he must be playing at a top 10, 15 level quarterback to not even have an argument. You know, I haven't even heard of a controversy whether you know one should be starting over the other it's been just pretty cut and dry that rivers is the starter so maybe he isn't as bad as we thought he was maybe but it's kind of also like drafting a quarterback in the first round like you've brought in this free agent quarterback he knows their a lot of their coaching staff and their offensive coordinator really well so i think he was obviously always going to be starting but you are right there's been no murmurs at all of oh maybe Jacoby Brissett should be, but then that might, you overall, right in the league, you have fewer rumors like that. And that might just be because of the fact that there's been no preseason media aren't allowed into the training in the same way that they have been in the past. Like, right. There's no media access. So it might just be that there's no way for rumors and for those things to leak out anyway. So that might just be one of those things where by week three, we get some anonymous cult sources saying, Oh yeah. Even in the, like the preseason we had our doubts, but you know, we, we thought we'd give Phil Rivers his chance. Yeah, no, that's definitely could be the case. You're right. But I think the Colts are good. They have a lot of weapons, right? Phil Rivers, he Rivers only has to be average for the Colts to be pretty good. And he definitely has, he can be slightly below average and they'll still beat the Jags. This is a game where all Phil Rivers has to do is not lose the game for them. And there's every possibility that he throws like three pick sixes and it's just terrible. And you just get Phil Rivers like ripping his helmet off and screaming with his beat face, just like running towards the sideline, screaming at people and blaming like the running back for why he just threw an interception. But uh, still, he just has to be average and they're winning this. All right. Um, Packers at the Vikings and Vikings are two and a half point favorites. Frank, this is a tough one. Yeah. I mean, this could go either way, right? I'm never sold on the Packers. Last year, we talked about this in the preview. They were 13 and three, and I didn't think they were a 13 and three team, maybe 10 and six at best. I do like the Vikings. 
I like Cousins. I don't know why. I think he's better than people say he is. Um, they did lose Diggs, but they replaced him pretty well with their draft pick. I'm going to stick with the Vikings. I'm still just not sold on the Packers. Rodgers, Rodgers will do well, but his offense around him isn't as great as what it used to be. And I mean, I guess the issue could be now that the, the coach has been there for a full year now, you know, maybe they're kind of gelling together a little bit and they've got their systems in place, but I'll go Vikings to win and Vikings with the points. I'm going to do both. And I'm going to say that this is the pick I'm the least confident about because there is every chance. Like I think the Vikings will be good. I think the Packers will be decent to good. And there's every chance that could flip. And at the end of the year, that's, you know, it's the Packers win that division and they are good. The thing that scares me a little bit is that Aaron Rodgers says his arm has not felt better. He says it's the first time in 16 years that his arm hasn't hurt going into a season. So is this going to be the year that Aaron Rodgers sort of reasserts himself as like a top quarterback and, and kind of people have almost forgotten, forgotten about him in a way. Like when you do have people talk about like who are the best quarterbacks in the league, most people don't mention Rodgers anymore. So this might be the year where we keep seeing the discount double check and like he is just all over the place. But for the first game of the season, at least I'm going to trust that the Vikings are the best team in the division. And if they're going to be the best team in the division, then they got to win this game. So are they covering the spread as well? Yeah, I mean, because it's only a two and a half point spread, uh-huh. I am going to assume they win and cover. But I mean, obviously, there's a possibility they don't. If that if that spread had been over three points, I think I would have taken the Vikings to win and the Packers with the points. But okay. because it's because it's two and a half, I'm going to take take the points and the and the Vikings. Got you. Um, on the NFL preview, I actually tipped the Vikings to go pretty far this season. So I, I think what Frank said, the, um, the Packers overachieved last season. They didn't look like a team that went 13 and three, but also they beat the Vikings twice last year. But I think, um, from what I've seen, the Vikings have shored up quite a few areas that the Packers beat them last year. So mainly defensively. So, I'm going to go with the Vikings. And um, as Eddie says, I think the the spread is small enough for it to just kind of go within that kind of uh, one field goal score. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Vikings and minus two and a half as well. Um, least, char- least confident of probably one, of, I agree with Eddie, one of the more least confident of the picks, but probably one of the better games of the week. Yeah, very watchable. I mean, we haven't done that right yet, but so far the games, I actually think it's a really good first week of football. There are some weeks when the season kicks off and there's a lot of games where you're like, this is not a very good game. Here, I think at every time slot, you have a very watchable game and you have a couple time slots, even the late games, which is unusual. Usually that like the afternoon games, there's maybe only one good one, but I would say even there, there's, I mean, which I guess we're right about, we're now flipping to the afternoon games, but there's two decent games in there. I guess, Sam, I'll tee you up and just say I think we're about to pick the spread for the worst game of the weekend. Yeah. But. <laughs> uh, Chargers are the Bengals, and um, the Chargers are three-point favorites. And I'll say this. If you're not related to Joe Burrow, there is no reason for you to watch this game. I have absolutely no opinion or care on this game. And for that reason, I'm picking the Bengals because when I looked at all my picks, oh, it was just dear. one of... Th- it was one of those situations where, honestly, I needed to go against the grain at some point, 
and I have such little knowledge and opinion on this game. I've just picked this one on that simple logic. Yeah, so, I mean, the Bengals. The Bengals were the worst team in football last year, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, Joe Joe Burrow is probably going to make them a bit better. I don't know if he'll have an instant impact. The Chargers aren't great, but there's to me, there's no way you can pick the Bengals until the Bengals show me that they can win games. I'm not picking the Bengals any week, and so, I would need probably at least a touchdown in points before I before I pick them either. It's an anti <laughs> anti Bengals pick. Really. Whoops. <laughs> painting just fell off the wall is it a Matisse <laughs> yeah sadly the guy has gone guys so I better I better nail my picks because uh, just taking because <laughs> I gotta get I gotta go 16 for 16 this week yeah it looks like it um but no <laughs> the yeah so it's an anti-Bengals pick and I am taking the Chargers because of it so this is like Eddie said, one of the least enjoyable games you're going to want to watch. Um, the Chargers could be Tyrod Taylor, right? So you have Tyrod Taylor versus Joe Burrow. Not very exciting. Uh, I kind of see where Sam's going with this, where it's so unexciting that you're just basically saying, screw it, you're going to pick the Bengals. But I can't pick the Bengals. <laughs> I can't pick the week one starting quarterback coming on to the worst team in the NFL, no matter how good he was in college and whether you think he's going to be good in the pros or not. I'll go Chargers, and minus three is not that much, so I think they can cover that. The other interesting thing I think about that game is, if I remember correctly, the over-under is really, really low too, right? So they're, they're predicting them to not even score that much. I think, it's, I think it might be like 42 or 43 is the over-under which is pretty low for an over-under 42 this early in the season. Yeah. And I would, I could almost even say that could go under. You could have a 14 to 10 game here with no one being able to score. Uh, Frank, just to give you some knowledge there, that is not the lowest over-under. There's actually quite a few others with the 42 mark, but there's two games that are lower than 42. Really? Are, well, yeah. are they good defensive teams? It's the Broncos Titans. Yeah. And the lowest, and I rarely see anything below 40, and you've got the over-under is 39 and a half, is the Bills Jets. Yeah, two, the, two good de- the two top defenses in the league against two pretty disappointing offenses. I could see it. But yeah, so Chargers, money line, Chargers against the spread. Okay. Um, Eddie, let's kick off. Uh, Niners. Uh, Cardinals at the Niners. And the Niners have got uh, seven. You only get one yeah. sentence. Yeah, I mean, I think the Niners <laughs> are going to be really Niners are gonna be really good. And so I'm taking them to win and to cover the spread. That's my one sentence. Okay. Couldn't think uh, you could do it. I'm, I'm going to go 49ers, but I'm actually going to go cardinals to cover the plus seven uh the only reason being um all i am hearing is the word injuries when it comes to the 49ers at the moment with the wide uh, receivers with the wide yeah. receivers their wide receiver they're getting really badly hit in the, in the wide receiver their receiving core is like really struggling elsewhere they're pretty healthy but yeah their receiver their receivers are struggles yeah and, they're really taking a dump on their chest of their receivers but kittle's healthy kittle's healthy Shanahan, like honestly, I think Shanahan could get you wide open. So I'm not, I'm not worried about 
who they have as a receiver. Uh, Spaghetti so- arms is as healthy as you could be. <laughs> Frank, what are you taking? I am going to take Niners to win, cards to cover the spread. Okay. All righty. Uh, this is an interesting game. Uh, the Bucks at the Saints, and the Saints are three and a half point favorites. I'll do it quickly. I think the Bucks are going to be good, not quite as good as people think, and I think they definitely need some early season games just to work out the kinks, even if they've been having some probably illegal practices with Tom Brady leading them in public parks in Tampa Bay or whatever they've been doing. But I still think that uh, I'll trust the Saints early in the season, and, I, and I'll take the Saints for both the to cover the spread and to win the game. Yeah, exactly the same for me. I, th- I think the Bucks all is one of those new units that will get progressively better, but I think the Saints are there right now. So actually, I think that the the three and a half that they're giving the Saints is actually pretty good. So yeah, I'm going Saints and to uh, cover the three and a half. Well, I was going to go with you guys, but I think eventually I have to make some picks against you guys. So my thing here is this would normally, this is a Saints home game, right? Technically. Yeah. Yeah. In that instance, I would never pick against the Saints in the Superdome. But you have the Bucks being lucky to go to the Superdome, not have to worry about the crowd noise, which I've been there when the Giants played them and got absolutely demolished by the Saints. I think it was 41 nothing or 44. It was a massacre. The Giants got killed probably about eight years ago, 10 years ago. And it was the loudest stadium I've ever been in. It was deafening. But you don't have that right now. I'll take the three and a half and take the Bucks, figuring it's a close game. And since I'm doing that, I might as well just take the Bucks to win outright as well. Uh, the Cowboys are two and a half point favorites. I think this is a really tough one. I'm not as high on the Cowboys as some people are, but they're obviously going to be pretty decent. The Rams were not great. Well, that's an overstatement, but we're not great last year. But I think the Rams will be better. They're opening their new stadium this weekend. So I, as, as illogical as that is, I'm going to pick them because I think they open their new stadium with a bang. So I'm taking the Rams to win. And obviously they're, I'm taking them then with the, the two and a half points. Same. I, yeah. I did actually think that new stadium thing as well. And I, I just saw, again, the Cowboys are one of those teams I just don't like um, betting with. So honestly, I'd rather go against them. And I think this is one of those games where it's a toss-up. And I'd rather go against the grain on it. I actually don't mind the Rams either. Yeah, this one, I'll have to stick with you guys. I'll go Rams with the points and Rams money line. Eddie, my question for you is, who's the better QB, Goff or Prescott? That's tough. I'd put them basically at the same level as each other. And I'd give Goff the edge because he's at least taken a team to a Super Bowl. So... You'd have to say that Goff, at his best, has shown himself to be better than Prescott at his best so far. Now, maybe that was a little bit the system and the weapons that he has around him, but until Prescott shows me that he can get to the playoffs and win playoff games, which, I mean, I think he has one playoff appearance maybe, but um, until he really, like until then, I'm going to give Goff the edge. That might age really badly, but for now, I would... I would give, I'd put them on the same level, but with, with a slight edge to golf. All right. Well, I think that's a very great time to quickly pull in the Madden 21 QB ratings with the big news of the week being that Colin Kaepernick was added to the ratings. 
And the great way to intro this is Eddie thinks they're about the same level. Madden rates Jared Goff as a 76 overall rating and rates Dak Prescott as an 84 rating. So eight points higher Dak Prescott is, whereas Eddie considers it basically a toss-up. And I don't play Madden anymore, but Eddie has assured me that three points in a difference is a lot. So eight Wait. is a very drastic difference. 84. Have you got like a ranking of QBs there? Like where does that put Dak Prescott in the... Dak Prescott's going to be top 10. Yeah. He is number 10. Yeah. And um, the, big, the big issue is obviously, for those who haven't seen it, was Colin Kaepernick was added to the game as a free agent this year. And his rating is an 81, which puts him in the top 15 of starting quarterbacks having not played for what is it now four years yeah maybe even five um yeah the madden rating for kaepernick is ridiculous and i think it's just a it's a publicity stunt yeah and that's what bothers and that's kind of what bothers me is that they purposely did that so that we would have this debate and that's why I almost didn't even want to bring it up because it's such a stupid debate to even have because they did it solely for this reason. Yeah, for sure. But no, I think, yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, that's the thing, right, about Madden ratings too is they're updated weekly. So probably within a couple of weeks, Kaepernick's going to drop down mm. because he won't be on a team. I'm fine with Kaepernick being in the game. He's actively trying to make it back into the NFL. So that's okay. That being said, there's some other players who are actively trying to make it back into the NFL who aren't there. So like if Tim Tebow, for example, says he's still trying to make it to an NFL team, is Tim Tebow in Madden? There's no way. So that's my only slight issue is you, it just has to be consistent just because Kaepernick is more, and, I will, and I'm totally on board with Kaepernick's activism and his politi- like political stance. It's not that. It's just... Madden can't put him in just because he's more like a high profile non player. If you're going to like, I I'm, and I'm a Madden player. I'm all for them expanding the player pool. So you do have more free agents when you start the game. I think that would be cool just to have more options, but then you just, you Kaepernick can Kaepernick can't be the only player who like wasn't on a team last year. Who's who's suddenly in the, in the choices. I mean, but the, the rating is just, it's absurd. It's like just now I have the Madden ratings pulled up and looking at them and seeing where he slots in being a quarterback who hasn't even been in any type of football, let alone the NFL, no competitive football for four years is slotted right underneath Garoppolo, Stafford and Cousins and is the same as Roethlisberger is ludicrous. The, the it, thing it, I'd be interested to know too is what was – Kaepernick's rating on Madden in his like peak Kaepernick 89 89 so he's only lost eight points he was 80 I'm almost positive because I thought I looked this up he was 81 89 80 yeah I mean that's that to me is even the bigger issue is you're not taking a player who was a 99 and you can like Madden could have made that argument of like look he was a 99 and he's lost 18 points it's like, no, 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 he was an 89 at his best, and he's lost eight points, even though he's several years older, hasn't played at all. And also, in the final you know, 12 to 18 months of his career with the Niners, he was terrible. Right? He didn't... And not, only, 
not only was, I mean, terrible, maybe I'll even give you as an overstatement, but he was also really hurt too. Like that last season he came back when he lost all that weight, he was out for a really long time, had what, like three knee surgeries, a shoulder surgery. I mean, he's had four or five surgeries in those three or four years he was with the Niners. And now you're taking that injury prone person who has previous issues, taking him out of a competitive sport for four years and then throwing him back in. It's crazy. Yeah. No, it's ridiculous. But yeah, it's a good PR stunt. He got everyone to talk about Madden. Exactly. In a year where people probably wouldn't have spoken about it that much because there wasn't the build up to the NFL season in the same way. So it was a smart move by them. Everyone, like literally every single news outlet talked about Madden. Even, you know, like the BBC and CNN, like, news outlets that would have never ever done a review of the new Madden are suddenly talking about it. Um, two games left. So let's just bundle them. Uh, Steelers, Steelers at the Giants. Uh, Steelers are six point favorites and uh, Titans at the Broncos and Titans are two and a half point favorites. So uh, Frankie boy. Well, I've got a question for Frank. Are the Giants going to be allowed to play with tennis balls tapped to the, taped to their hands or, or do, like, do they have to take that off before the game starts? So word on the street is right now they're not allowed to play, but once they go 13 and 0, teams are allowed to request that they put the tennis balls back on to make it more of a game for it to have other teams a chance to actually win and not to have the Giants okay. go undefeated. Oh, that's fair then. I'll keep that, that in mind for that I'll keep that in mind for, for week 14. It doesn't week change 14, my mind. Yeah. And, and also, I know Frank and I are going to disagree with this on right because he thinks the Steelers are done. So there's mm-hmm. no way he can take the steel. Like even if he thinks the Steelers will win this, he's going to take the points for the Giants for sure. Yep. And I am going to take the Steelers to win and cover the spread. Yep, I'm already putting it in for Frank now. Giants plus six, right? Or do you want to do alternate handicap on this one because the Steelers are that done? That's plus no, six. Plus six. Oh, skinny Ben, matter. Skinny Ben is getting six points. He's taking doesn't matter. He's giving six give points. Me the, sorry. Give me the Giants with the points. Okay. And straight up, who are you taking? I was gonna say Steelers. Give me the Giants. Straight See, up. I, this this is what I don't like. Is he's not even. It's not a. Genuine he's not pick. even following through with his preview. <laughs> it's not a genuine. It's not a genuine pick. It's just so he can do an "I told you so" on this one. He is just doing that. And that it's, bothers me slightly. It's going to be the worst 15 weeks, isn't it, right? <laughs> no, for I the, mean... For the Giants, yeah. <laughs> I, will, yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually have a pick in this. when I. So I do... I have a bunch of leagues I'm in where I take picks. This is the one I kept like skipping over to the very end. I did pick the Steelers in my pick in my confidence pool, but I had them as a one or a two, so at the very lowest. So, I mean, I'll go Giants. I, I don't... I've said it before. I don't think the Steelers are that great anymore this year. And, you know, maybe the Giants get lucky and beat them in a, in a barn burner 14 to 13 or something like that. So. Oh, if we're lucky. Okay. And um, last. Not, not going to be a, a question. very enjoyable I got a question game, for you but I will have year. to watch it. Because <laughs> Freddie Kitchens is, uh, is, is on the coaching staff of the Giants right now, right? Tight end coach. Yep. What's higher? Freddie Kitchens IQ or Daniel Jones is QB rating at the end of the season. Daniel Jones is QB rating. Wow. <laughs> now he's, he's now maybe who knows? Maybe either that's an insult to Freddie Kitchens or you really believe in Daniel Jones. 
I think Daniel Jones can get a solid 55 QB rating this year. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think Jones, I said it in our preview. I think Jones will be much improved this year. He's got decent weapons. He's got another year under the belt. I think he's going to play a lot better than people expected. And he didn't play that bad in the second half of the year. I mean, he had one or two games where they were terrible, but Overall, he played decently the last six games. Frank, he could play a lot better than I expect, and the Giants will still be terrible. Well, we'll see after their 1-0 week one. Titans Broncos. I think this is a little bit of a lack of respect for the Titans, I have to say. You know, I know the Broncos like uh, were decent at times last year. They've just got hit because Von Miller is out for the year, seemingly, with his injury. So... That's a big blow to them, both defensively and just from a team leader standpoint. Um, and I think this is just, I mean, everyone kind of disrespected the Titans throughout the season last year and, and into the playoffs. And I think this is just a continuation of that fact. I mean, yeah, I think quite confidently I'll take the Titans to cover the spread and to win that game. I'll agree. Titans to cover and Titans to win. I think Drew Locke is going to be one of the worst QBs in the league this year. I don't see that offense putting up much points, especially against the Titans defense. That's going to cover the shit out of them. I think the Titans win this easily. I'm agreeing. The Von Miller thing was pretty damaging. So yeah, I'm going with the Titans as well to cover. There we go. That was week one. So one of the other betting things right now, that Eddie is kind of having a semi backfire on is his U S open who not to pick prediction. So I thought maybe Eddie could give us a little roundup of how the tennis is going right now. Yeah. Who's getting smacked in the throat this week, Eddie. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? Um, Maybe me for me doubting Zverev. Zverev is ramming it down my throat right now, but he's shitting on your chest. He's back. He's 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 OBJing you. He's OBJing him. (laughs) I mean, I'll say this. Zverev's um, quarterfinal performance was one of the worst tennis matches I have ever watched at a Grand Slam. So if he is going to continue that form going forward, I give him a 0% chance of actually winning this. But well, The funny thing is he kind of gets away with it again in his semifinal match where he has the lowest... The, he has the best opponent he could have gotten to play. Oh, I mean, if you had told him that Karen Busta was going to be his opponent in a U.S. Open semifinal, I mean, you would have taken that every day of the week. So, yeah, he's But, I mean, w- with who else is left, too. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, even out of who else is left, he has the easiest opponent. But just on – anyway, if you were just going into this – going into his career, and that is with all due respect to Karen Busta, who I also owe an apology to, uh, you know, when we were last discussing the U.S. Open, I said that he might be over thirty. He's twenty-nine, so he nice. is. So he, no matter who wins, right, this U.S. Open, they will be the only player under thirty to be to be a Grand Slam winner at the moment. If it's Karina Busta, that won't stay true for very long. But no matter what, there's going to be that. It's hard to so see give either us, one. Give us your pick then. So Medvedev hasn't lost a set yet. And he looked incredibly impressive. Uh, I mean, in his quarterfinal, but also just throughout it. He's serving well. His forehand, the accuracy on his forehand, he hits angles. They kind of like 
almost unbelievable at times. Whoever wins that semifinal, the team Medvedev semifinal is, I think is, is clearly going to win. I'm going to say that Medvedev wins though. He is the favorite. Um, Cause obviously he's a very slight favorite against team uh, and whoever wins that will be the favorite in the final. But I think uh, Medvedev, the women's one is actually in a way the, the more complicated one. So the interesting fact uh, when William from Williams's quarterfinal, that was the first time in history in, in open air history that two women playing in a grand against each other in a grand slam were mothers and in a, in a quarterfinal, I should say. And this semifinal, because both Williams and Azarenka are mothers, this will be the first semifinal ever where the where two of the women competing against each other are are both mothers. So that's there. Pretty neat fact. Yeah, it's an interesting one, right? Yeah. Um, there, I think Williams is getting a little bit too much respect. It's just one of those things where it's Serena Williams. So I think Azarenka looks way better than her. Serena Williams is so immobile at times it's remarkable like she gets into rallies sometimes where if you just hit the ball two or three yards away like either side of her you hit a winner it's quite stunning she just relies on the fact that she can overpower people and also psychologically too i think she just has such a huge advantage like when she does you know she's lost the first set a few times but i think twice now this tournament she lost the first set in the quarterfinal and she was a breakdown early in the second set but once she broke back i think for a lot of those opponents, they just kind of fear, like, here it comes, Serena Williams kicking into gear. You, you can kind of see on their face that they start to, they're almost seeing their own defeat coming towards them well before it happens. I just think Azarenka won't, A, won't be, the moment won't be too big for her, and also the lack of movement from Williams is going to be her undoing. So I think Azarenka will win that. Osaka, I think, will win the other semifinal. And I think Azarenka will beat Osaka in the final. Would be my prediction. Yeah, for the women, I completely agree with you. I think it'll be Azarenka Osaka, which will be a good final. And I would rather watch that than watch Serena Williams. We've talked oh, about she's, this. She's of, so moody too. In that in the in the quarterfinal, Williams. In oh, the I quarterfinal. Know. I mean, the commentator at one moment, for example, in in, in the. Uh, where I was, I was actually watching Canadian coverage of it, but the commentator, I was, they, they openly said, it does not look like she wants to be out there. Even the Canadian said that? Even the Canadian, <laughs> the nicest people in the world. And that was, as, that was as harsh as they got, but they keep, they did say, and it, it, it's a hundred percent true. She was just I like mean, a little, little child throwing kind of like hissy fits on the court because she mishit a forehand and then she has to sulk for four points. It's unbelievable. And the fact that, I mean, in some ways, right, you had to give her almost even more respect because she, she can do that and then still win the match. Yeah, we've, I mean, we've talked about this for years and years and years now. Basically, anytime one of us has money on Williams in a critical uh, game or tournament, it always comes down to us saying, you know, she's going to lose this match because she can't keep her cool. She's acting like a child. It's, it's annoying to watch. And I get it. It's it's a shame because if she wasn't so vocal and annoying with her antics, she would be good to watch because it's fun to watch that person who's trying to overpower versus a person who's trying to, you know, play with like placements and stuff like that, especially in a women's game where you can do that, where you can get someone who is doing power versus someone who's doing finesse. It would be great to watch her, but See, I, I can't actually, stand I... watching her 
play. I can't stand it. See, I actually disagree because a, even within the men's game, I think it's less interesting when you watch like Isner play, you know, uh, Kevin Anderson, just the idea that it's just kind of maximum rally, six point six shots. And they're just trying to overpower each other on with their serve and with their forehands or whatever. I find that overall less interesting to watch because there's just no tactics almost to a lot of it. And with me, I still prefer watching men's tennis to women's tennis. That being said, the big selling point on women's tennis to me is because there is a little bit less power in the game. It is a little bit more technical and tactical at times. And Williams in a way is kind of like the worst of both worlds where she doesn't enter the power level of the men, but she loses the finesse of a lot of the other female players. And she's not alone in that respect, I gotta say, but I would much rather watch Osaka play or Azarenka play. I mean, there's a host of, of uh, the female players who I really enjoy watching. And Williams, to me, it's just an unpleasant experience start to finish. Whether or not I want her to win or want her to lose, I don't enjoy watching her. I really want to go with your adopted son. <laughs> like I was almost tempted this morning to put some money on it just so if he did win, it would be worth losing the money to be able to show you that I picked a, your adopted son when you told us not to and I won something. But I, I kind of agree. I don't, he hasn't looked good. I've watched him a little bit uh, the past few days or the past week in his earlier matches. I watched a few and he didn't look spectacular. So I'm kind of probably not going to make a pick. But I did want to bring the men back up because you had promised us that you would get a miles per hour on how hard Djokovic hit that woman. But I know you did not do it. So Frank took an hour out of his day yesterday to draw up some, no <laughs> some mathematical models to determine at what speed Djokovic hit that woman in the throat. All right, you're going to have to show some workings with this one then. <laughs> I have a six-point PowerPoint I'm going to share with you guys, and I'll talk through it because you don't really need to see it. Um, but I'll show you what I did as I talk through it. So here's the picture of Djokovic Holy shit, he's actually striking the ball, and the woman who, who – the ball is about <laughs> three feet from the woman, and she, I don't think she's even seen it at this point still. I did this to show where on the court he hits the ball. And I'll also post this all up on Instagram so you guys can see it. So it looks like he's about a foot over and a foot back of that center mark. Here's then the court. This is the U.S. Open court that he played on. I then have all the distances. And the only distance that we don't know is how far that line judge is from the actual end of the, the tennis court. So using what we know of how the distances of the other lines on the court I can get the estimate of how far it was. So she's about 25.3 feet from the end of the court. Okay. So now we can do just a simple Pythagorean theorem to figure out where he hits her. So it's the 25.3 feet plus the about 17 feet that Djokovic is on the court. And she's on the, she's the side judge. So she's on that sideline. So we know the exact distance of that sideline. And we can calculate how far the ball travels. The ball travels 44.7 feet. We then go to the videotape. There is one video that clearly shows Djokovic striking the ball in real time and it hitting her throat. 
I'll play it. You're not gonna be able to really see much. We can full screen it or whatever. But basically, it's him striking and him hitting it. It is 0.6 seconds it takes for the ball to leave his racket and hit her throat. So 0.6 seconds at 44 feet gives it a 50 miles per hour is the speed at which that ball struck her throat, took her down, and made her scream in agony for a good two minutes. Thoughts? I mean, I, I mean, it's I super mean, impressive. It's, it's, it's like really watching, impressive. It's like watching someone break down the JFK assassination. So I, I'll yeah. give you credit on that. And the University <laughs> yeah. of Arizona probably needs to find some more things for you to do. But yeah. aside from that, I might dispute some of the distances there marginally, but I am happy to accept that even if there is a slight variation there, that it's not going to be above 80 miles an hour. I was being just scared. imagining that happening with like kind of Madden style commentary. And it's like, bam, this is when it hits her. Bam, this is the distance. <laughs> <and> boom. <laughs> While yeah, I was I mean, doing it, it reminded me of Parks and Rec when Leslie Note puts up this crazy thing and what's her face comes in and is like, this is something a serial killer would do. And she's like, thank you. That, that shows commitment. <laughs> well, I'll offer the same compliment to you. So that brings us to the question, a 50 mile per hour ball striking your throat, are you going down? She no, did. I mean, I, an 80 mile an hour ball to my throat, I'm not going down. I'm, I'm not enjoying the experience, but I'm not going down. And Sam, now here comes the other question. And what's, what's 40, the fastest? 44 what's the... feet away, are you able to move out of a 50 mile per hour tennis ball? So 44 I mean, feet would be about 11 yards. She's not looking at him. She's not looking, right? That's so the that's, the issue. that's the issue. So yeah. probably assuming you're not looking, no, because even if you pick it up as it's coming towards you very last second, maybe you swat it. Maybe you can do that. Yeah. But you're definitely not moving out of the way. It would have been great if she did some sort of like Neo style matrix, like kind of move out the way on it. That would have been incredible I mean, to watch. In, in fairness, we Sam, what's the fastest ball you've taken to your face? Uh, I'm speechless. I, I don't even know. It's not that, it's not that quick. There's just it's so many memories quick. going through his head not that, that he, quick he can't pick one out in particular. That's going to be damaging. <laughs> 50 mile an hour. That would be damaging. Like People die at those kind of speeds if someone was just <laughs> running at you. Speed queen. Speed queen. <laughs> God, it's like I've taught you something new and you're just kind of running away with it. Yeah, 100%. That's how my mind works. Yeah, it's like a toddler getting taught a new word. So let's keep with our predictions then. Uh, should we jump into the Premier League, which is also starting this week? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess before we do that, in a way, you know, we've we spoke about Odell Beckham Jr. getting himself into trouble. Uh, we can talk about two England players, uh, Mason Greenwood and Phil Foden, who got themselves into trouble during England's trip to Iceland during the UEFA Nations League. They snuck two Icelandic women, cousins, um, obviously cousins of each other, not cousins of either Mason Greenwood or Phil Foden. <laughs> <laughs> they snuck, they snuck them, they snuck them into the hotel, which was quarantined, like a mini lockdown bubble. They apparently snuck them they in. So, so that's where the first controversy starts. They're well, apparently they didn't. they didn't. They're saying they didn't. They're saying that they had paid rooms that night, and I guess that must be quite easy to show, like the ledger of bookings but they're saying that they had a paid room and they had every right to be in there because obviously it's their room 
but so they didn't they have the right still... to interact with the players, right? No, exactly. That's the problem. Yeah, exactly. That's the second controversy. Yeah. What is yeah. it? With so wait, wait, real quick though. At least, I think you need to throw out the main one of the main facts of this story is that Mason Greenwood and Phil Foden are nineteen and twenty. So they're very young England stars, I guess you could say, future stars mm. in a foreign country where if it weren't for this COVID lockdown, any of the players that are now older that are on that team, if they were in that same situation, inviting girls over from Instagram and hang, having them hang out in the hotel room is probably the most sane thing that any of those people would have done, knowing the the um, the previous encounters some professional footballers have had with the videos and things. Sure, <laughs> no, you're, you're right. You're, and look, there's a lot of ex-professional professionals who've come to their defense and basically said they're young, people make mistakes. All I'll say is, is that like a lot of sacrifices are being made by a lot of people to get sporting events back up and running. And I think the players need to appreciate that. And so even when they're making mistakes that on the face of it are not that significant, they have to put them in the context in which they're doing it. And so with all the effort and all the money and all the time that's being put on so that England can travel to Iceland and play a football match there, a fundamentally meaningless football match there, um, those players should have had better sense than to invite people over. I'll also say this. The girl, so the one girl who was the one who was speaking to Mason Greenwood, who like it was them interacting that led to this happening. So she said, A, she didn't leak it, that someone else leaked it, that she wasn't responsible for the leak. She would have never leaked the fact that she went over. Maybe that's believable. Who knows? The only other thing is she said, she was like, I didn't even realize Mason Greenwood yeah. played for Manchester United. I didn't know Phil Foden was a footballer. Yeah. I have subsequently, yeah. I did not follow Mason Greenwood on Instagram, still don't, but I looked at his Instagram just to see like every single photo of him is in a Manchester United like training everyone. kit. Or, like seriously, everyone. So if you're interacting with him on Instagram, you'd either have to be like, this guy is the biggest Manchester United fan in the world, or you'd figure out he played for Manchester United. Yeah. And the, and the other thing, thing why, why else would a 20-year-old Icelandic model be interacting with someone on Instagram if he weren't famous or a celebrity? Do you, I mean... I have to imagine she gets a lot of people sliding into her DMs. Does she just answer everyone? It's like, oh, this seems like a nice random guy. Oh, he's coming for the weekend. That's cool. Maybe we'll hang out well, Frank, and not look into who he is. No. Well, Frank, maybe next episode, instead of the breakdown of how far away Djokovic was and the speed, you'll show us a series of Instagram exchanges with her and you'll be like, look, she does respond to everyone. <laughs> this is a flirt this is a flirt no for me the whole thing is just it just screams immaturity like uh, even when you look at like the interactions between greenwood and foden like they're saying oh what do you think she wants and then greenwood would be like i think we know what she wants kind of thing and it's almost like they're alluding to the fact that sex is somehow like taboo with 19 year old like premier league stars yeah, they come across as real dorks they come across as like really uh frank have you ever seen the show the in-betweeners love it it's basically they come across as like that group of people interacting about sex, like they're having it for the first time. But I think the point, the point for me is what Eddie said is that 
it, it's all immature. It's all fun and games kind of thing. Would have happened a year ago, for sure, 100%. No one would have cared. No one would have batted an eyelid. So when people like Gary Neville and that come out and they're like, oh, well, boys will be boys, it happens. No, you're neglecting the global situation that means people are pissed off. And truth be told, when Eddie said that game was meaningless, I lost like an hour and a half of my life that night. That was yeah, it was also an awful match. It was one of the worst things I've ever watched. And then the only thing, the only thing that made it look better was then the England Denmark, the Denmark match game. a couple days, yeah. couple days later. Like, that's the depressing thing. I was like, great, this was fantastic to be in a pub with. What could possibly top my time? And it was like, oh, so everything leaks about Greenwood, etc. They then get dropped from the team, which potentially messes up maybe their next kind of few games chances. And then England play worse against okay granted a better team but they play worse it was it was such a painful time for english international football off the back of some you know pretty pretty good optimism around now i'll so also say that I, mason green mason greenwood looks even worse in con- contrast with one of his england and manchester united team or teammates which is marcus rashford who over the past few months marcus rashford has looked so good as, as a result of the efforts he's put in, in terms of providing school lunches. And yeah. he, who is not, he, he's not that much older. I mean, Rashford's 22, I think. How mature he looks in how he deals with himself publicly and how he's taken on really important issues and delivered more. I mean, Marcus Rashford fundamentally got school lunches back in schools. And, you know, he's achieved more in a short time as a footballer for sort of, you know, English people than a lot of politicians will over the course of their entire career. So when you're contrasting that immature, naive behavior with what one of his teammates is doing, it makes it makes Greenwood look even worse. And look, it's not, some people are going overboard. You are hearing some people talk about like, should Greenwood and Foden ever play for England again? And I mean, that's ridiculous. They deserve to be publicly criticized for what they did, probably leave them out of the next squad even just to teach them a lesson. But obviously they're two tremendously talented players mm. and leaving them out would be when just sort of cutting off their nose to spite their face almost. So, yeah. My thing with the... Well, one, I didn't know Foden has a kid. So he obviously doesn't oh, know news. how to have sex. Sam. That's news to me, I have to say. I didn't even know he had a kid either. Yeah, he has a, I think, a one- or two-year-old kid with apparently a long-time girlfriend, which adds another twist to the story of oh, is this long-time yeah. girlfriend oh. still a long-time girlfriend oh that's news but, to me that that, that yeah, that's that, all, that's all new that see so frank it. did some investigative journalism of his own today and found out phil foden loves two things right now this was an article that was published a few months ago he loves to fish and he loves fatherhood i honestly he was not, hearing he must not love he must i not honestly was hearing that comma's fist <laughs> So that was the first part that I thought of this whole thing that was very interesting. And I agree, they are 19 and 20 that both look and sounded maturity-wise going on 15 and 16. I mean, they look young for even 19 and 20. And after watching those videos, they seem very immature people. Although, so maybe there's a new twist there, you know? You said Phil Foden loves to fish. There is excellent fishing in Iceland. And maybe, maybe they were just looking for some local, you know, some really nice place to catch some fresh Icelandic salmon. That was all they were going yeah. for. Is that what or you call maybe, 
Eddie, maybe he likes fishing and fatherhood. So he was hoping to get the fatherhood part out of the way that night and then go fishing with her in the morning. Yeah. Awesome. That could be a great, great date. Great, great date. Yeah. Wading into a cold Icelandic river together. My only other issue I have is, yeah, they need to be held responsible. I think they should get some sort of repercussion, like you guys were saying. But as captains and more senior people on that team, how are you not doing something to kind of engage the team and have them kind of like some sort of team camaraderie where instead you have, you know, 19 and 20 year old kids just being like, yeah, just go to your hotel room and uh, fend for yourselves for the night. Like, I don't get that as like, whenever we, when I was younger and would travel with teams, there was never a time where like you were alone in your room during the night. I mean, it was just them two. Yeah. But I mean, how, but I mean, like, think about it. Like usually teams are together. They're, they're out doing something, sitting in the room, joking around, partying. And then it's like bedtime, like nighttime. But it seemed like it was just like dinner time. And they were just sitting in their hotel room by themselves. Like as a team leaders and team captains, don't you kind of have to think, Hey, you know, maybe we should get these young kids out of their rooms and kind of just interact with them and make sure they don't get into trouble. I mean, I guess in your mind, you would have thought, how could they get into trouble? They're in a lockdown hotel. There's no, this is the one situation in which, this is the one situation in which we don't have to chaperone them because they're just going to go to their rooms and probably play FIFA. You know, like this is probably what in their mind they thought they were going to do. Also, I think the difference between say the experiences that like any of us will have had on teams, which, you know, would have been through high school and university and stuff you were always in kind of the same age range as all of your teammates. It would be really different to be like a 33-year-old and you're on a teammate, you're on a team with a 19-year-old. And you're like, do I want to spend my evening talking to this guy? Like, look at the chats that they had. <laughs> you know, like the way they were speaking about it. Imagine <laughs> yeah. being like a mature 32, 33-year-old who has a, you know, kind of not your first time playing for England. You've done, been there, done that. And now you're sitting down to try and have a conversation with Phil Foden. I mean, it might be a little bit tough. So you might've been like, Phil, maybe it's bedtime. All right. You, you head off, go play FIFA and do whatever you want to do. And I'm going to go read a book. They can talk about fatherhood. Foden and fishing. Loves it. And fishing. Yeah. But for me though, the Premier League, like this is covered in, in terms of like how to conduct yourself. Like they, the club's, agents uh, the league itself they run these kind of like courses these things on how to like deal with media how to deal with yourself in front of the cameras etc and younger and younger players are getting found younger and younger people burst on the scenes now when they're 15 16 years old in the premier league and it's tackled really early on what they need to do with themselves to conduct themselves and simply put they just didn't listen so i mean that's how it differs as well yeah, but I you're still sure. you're still 15, 16, no matter how much someone tells you the right way no, to do things. Wait, hold on. They're not 15, 16. <laughs> no, 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 no. I know. I Mentally. I, he's saying like younger. He's saying Mentally, like yeah. people get younger and younger. Sure. I mean, I do think you're talking about fully professionals at 15, 16, right? So it is a very different world. But you also have to imagine that going on these trips with England, they will have been briefed endlessly about like these are the restrictions these are these are what's in place this is how you can behave this is where you can go this is what you can do for sure they've had someone talk to them about that so they've definitely had to ignore a lot of you know sort of 
systems that have been put in place to make them behave. And all they had to do, like, this is the thing too that I always get that blows my mind. Not even footballers, for a lot of people, when people are talking about, like, oh, yeah, but I broke the rules, I broke the lockdown rules, I broke the quarantine rules, I did this, all you had to do was sit at home. Like, people are acting as if they, like, accidentally like are breaking these rules. It's like all you had to do was sit in your hotel room and turn on the TV and you were good. You were fine. He could have messaged those girls. They've got, they've got tons of money. Message those Icelandic girls, fly them to Manchester. Do that. Could have done that. If you really want to meet up with them, fly them to Manchester and done it on non-England duty, had them go stay in a hotel, quarantine if they have to, could have paid for all of that to happen. You really want to meet them? Go for it. Knock yourselves out. Not going to stop you. Just have the sense of like when and how to do it. Yeah. So Sam, shoot us some some games, some matches. All right. Uh, first one is Fulham v Arsenal. Interesting one. Fulham obviously a promoted side. Arsenal picked up towards the back end of last season. Started well in the Community Shield. I am going to assume that. Um, you know, I, I wasn't overly impressed as a, as a Blackburn Rovers supporter last year with Fulham. I wasn't overly impressed with them for most of the season. And that was a, a, that was a division they should have won pretty easily with the team that they have on paper. So I'm going to take, I'm going to assume that, uh, that Arsenal have too much firepower and, and beat them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, Fulham are tipped by a lot of people. Uh, to actually not only go down, but a couple of people uh, like BBC pundits, Sky pundits have actually tipped Fulham to finish like lower than West Brom. And obviously, if you haven't heard our Premier League preview, take a look because most of us tip West Brom. It's like a, a, a easy one to get relegated. But the fact that a lot of people are putting Fulham down as well. Also, they haven't really signed anyone. Uh, they've signed a few players, but fundamentally, they're still relying on... They signed the Harrison Reed, who they had they, on loan. They did. <laughs> But they signed like Anthony Knockart as well. They had like Knockart as well. And it's like, they're still relying on people like Mitrovic, who has not, I think, ever had firepower within the Premier League kind of thing. Even when he was at kind of, um, was it Wigan? He did okay the year they went down, didn't he? Mitrovic, I think he did okay. And they were a bad team the year they went down, but he did all right. I I think there's a real contrast here. I I think Arsenal, for me, look good. Fulham fall firmly in that category, which is always the warning sign to me of a promoted side who continue to sign championship players. Yeah. And, and, and it's almost one of those things where maybe in the back of their minds, maybe you're almost preparing yourself. Maybe Fulham have gone to that mode of to cement our Premier League status. It's going to take us, we're going to have to yo-yo for maybe three or four seasons. Mm. And so maybe in the back of your minds, you're signing players of, if we go down, we can hold on to this player. He's suited to the championship. And we can we can bounce right back with the squad that we have, and maybe you're thinking about that. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I don't disagree with that. But the, uh, to flip it on uh, Arsenal as well, I, I'm really excited for this Arsenal team. Um, there's a lot of positivity. Um, I do believe that Arteta has got a more drilled, more di- disciplined, but also they've added a lot of creative flair. There's good positivity around. Uh, Aubameyang, so he's basically just confirmed that it'll be Arsenal's highest paid player with a three-year contract. I think adding Ozil aside, you know, adding to people like Saka uh, with Will I, I I think they've got such good 
the players, but also their big issue is central defence. And now they've just signed uh, Magalhães and they've got Williams uh, Saliba from uh, Saint-Étienne. So I think Arsenal look really good this year and I, I can see nothing else here except an Arsenal win. Who thought we would have two Will I Am references in the same podcast? <laughs> it's fantastic, isn't it? <laughs> it's actually the same player. <laughs> Will I Am is the Will I Am for Arsenal. Frank, you got any observations? Nah, I mean, you guys said it all. Sam, I'm going to go with you. You've swayed me on Arsenal this year, so until they prove, until they prove you completely wrong, I will, I will go Ar- Ar- at least Arsenal to win this. All right. Uh, next one's Palace Southampton. Um, we didn't actually cover Palace that much, but I think when you – I think I looked at their signings and they've signed uh, – I can never remember his name, but it's, what is it like Ize? Uh, Izeri from QPR. Yeah, yeah like I, meant, I mentioned million. him. Yeah, he's, he's uh, people thinking he's going to be a future England star. So yeah. he, he might be a good signing, but I don't think he's going to change their the outlook of this season because he's still very young. Yeah, and uh, for me, I think Southampton could be... I know we've had this kind of top-half argument, and to be fair, since that Premier League uh, preview, a lot has changed transfer-wise, but... I think Southampton are a candidate for top 10. Uh, I think that maybe a couple of teams transfer-wise may have um, gone above them now. But um, I think Southampton could be a surprise package this year. I think Danny Ings uh, will have another standout year. I I think he'll score a lot of goals. And um, yeah, I just, I rate Southampton. They look really good at the end of last season as well. They were definitely one of the form teams uh, from the post-COVID situation. So yeah, I can see a Southampton win. I would love to pull the annoying fantasy player thing because I know it would piss Eddie off and just say, like, I hope Crystal Palace score a ton because I've got Zaha, but I will never do that on this podcast. So I don't have much of an opinion here. Um, If I had to pick one, I would probably pick Southampton. I think Crystal Palace are not going to be very good this year, and I could possibly see them getting relegated. So I am going to pick a score draw. I don't think I think Crystal Palace are bad and could well go down. And I think Southampton are a bottom half team, probably going to finish sort of twelfth to fourteenth in that range. And I think that this will be. I very rarely pick draws, so I'm trying to mentally change that. And this is I'm going to put this one in the score draw category. Liverpool Leeds is probably what is a pretty. There's not really a standout opening game um, for. Saturday, unlike the NFL where there's some good ones, but I'd probably say Liverpool Leeds is the standout game of the day on Saturday, but not for the reasons that it could be a really good game, but just for the fact that Leeds are kind of a long awaited a return. Most people pretty much hate them if you're not a Leeds fan um, within the Premier League. They've got a lot of rivalries with a lot of people, but also it'd be interesting to see what Liverpool look like this year because they haven't really strengthened. They had a really good squad last year, but has that lack of strengthening meant a problem? I, I did you. By the way, did you guys hear Jurgen Klopp's point about why they haven't spent money? No. He basically came out and said, it, it's a big dig at Chelsea. He basically said, people need to look at the world and understand like the situation at the moment. And you'll suddenly start to realize that the oligarchs that own clubs in the Premier Leagues are the ones that don't care. And that's why they're spending which is obviously a complete dig at Chelsea's kind of like 200 million 
bloated it's also, spend. But. It's so rich, right? Because Liverpool happen to be in a situation where they can not spend and they will still be title challengers. Yeah. If this had happened back, if this had happened three, four years ago when they'd been needing to sign Allison and needing to sign Van Dyke, they wouldn't have done that. And he, and Klopp would have been insulted if someone had said to him, don't you think it's wrong to spend money in the current economic climate? So, I mean, Klopp is, I like Klopp in the sense that he does often speak about football not being as sort of serious and high pressure as people make it out to be, and that everyone's really fortunate to be involved in professional football. At the same time, he's like a friendly prick. Yeah. So, you know, he's he's one of those He's everybody's friendly prick. (laughs) Yeah, no, but he's just one of those guys who's like, at times he just comes across as really down to earth and really nice, but the moments when he wants to make a point, you can tell he's a bit of an asshole. And that would be definitely in that category. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, for this one, I'm going to... This will come back and bite me. I know 100%. But I think Leeds have signed smartly. I think they already had a good team. Uh, I think Helder Costa's a really good signing. Rodrigo is a fantastic signing up front. I always think Premier League clubs, when they come up, have a slight boon at the start. You get these weird results where certain clubs do well... Liverpool post-COVID, you know, post the restart, I don't think have looked good. I just don't think they have looked at the levels they were. And I just feel like with this kind of condensed lack of pre-season, that I can actually see this being like a a weird score draw. I I really can. I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't disagree with you more, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> what was, what was are like, the other? Shit. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. I, I can't believe he's saying that. No, yeah. D- don't get I mean, me wrong. It could be a route. It could I'm not the biggest be, Liverpool. I just, I just have a feeling. As everyone knows, I've like not picked Liverpool to win the league. And I've even said that they might finish third. But their home record over the, like, in the Klopp era is second to none. So already picking them to not win a home game is going out on a limb. Okay, Leeds have done all right with their signings and they looked pretty good last year, but it's still a massive leap in quality. And then in addition to that, I actually think Leeds are hurt by the fact that Liverpool have been so shaky at the back end of last season and then in the Community Shield, the Charity Shield, Community Shield, whatever it's called now. Because I think if you're Klopp and if you're the Liverpool players, you're saying we're not getting off to a bad start. We are not going to play a promoted side at home and not win. Like there is, don't take this game lightly. Don't look past it. Don't look to sort of bigger matches that might come in the future. We have to start start the way we've played every match last season. So I think it hurts Leeds that Liverpool have not looked great over the past sort of four or five months. If I gave you minus one, would you take it? I don't like bets like that. As Frank knows, I never like the bet where it's uh, it's a, like in something the team in the teams involved don't care about. Like that fundamentally is one of my big rules of gambling. Is like it's why I almost I don't like spreads. For example, a lot in any sport is I never like having the feeling that the team involved doesn't give a shit about the fact that whether they win by one goal or two. Okay. Obviously that being said. If, if you put no, I'm just saying that's just my general rule. In but that being said, if you put a gun to my head and am I taking Liverpool minus one and a half or Leeds plus one and a half, I'm taking Leeds uh, Liverpool minus one and a half. You keep teasing Eddie, us. Eddie, like, are you sure subconsciously? <laughs> yeah. Are you sure subconsciously? About this, do you want Leeds? <laughs> are you just disagreeing with me because it's what I'm I've just... said? Anyway, next one. Uh, uh, oh, we don't want. Oh, sorry, Frank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. No. 
Whatever. I mean, to be honest, I can't, I can't believe we just spent that much time talking about a Liverpool Leeds match when I was going to ask is one to four an even fair odds for Liverpool. I would have put them further down. I'll take minus one and a half. I mean, the defending champ versus a newly promoted team. I understand they haven't been playing great lately, but the talent level on Liverpool is still astonishingly higher than what Leeds have right now. I'll take Liverpool minus one and a half. All right. Okay. Um, uh, West Ham, Newcastle is the late kickoff. Um, what a Saturday evening treat this is. It's a good thing I'll be hammered for this because it's the only way I'd watch it. I mean, the players might be drunk by the time this kicks off. Yeah, that's true. Well, Eddie, you, you said you liked to have teams have something to play for. Well, I've got a good stat for you. West Ham have not won, have lost their first, their last four home opener, or sorry, let me start this completely over again. <laughs> oh, it's the second stroke of the day. Yeah. West Ham have lost their last four openers and Newcastle have lost seven out of their last eight openers. So I really think one of them wants to play for a win in an opener here. <laughs> I mean, my pick is just going to be a draw. Um, so no one's going to win. Yeah. Still. And it was going to, it was going to be, it was going to be a, that was going to be my pick even before that um, statistic came out. But yeah, it's, it's a draw. Both of these teams are bad. So they're, they're both going to be involved in and around the drop zone, regardless of this result, but they're both bad. I think if I'm going to lean any direction on this, West Ham have one of those terribly annoying records at home where they usually do all right, Man City aside, they usually do all right against the bigger teams, but they fail miserably against lower teams. But also the problem is Newcastle have a terrible ability to beat teams around them as well. And that's usually why they're in the position they are. And I consider West Ham one of those teams. But I do... The Frazier-Wilson signings, if they go straight in and play, and they play to the levels they did two years ago, I think that could be... That could probably tip a slight favour to Newcastle. I mean... I'd probably go Newcastle just. I mean, it's going to be boring. It's going to be horrible. It may be 1-0. But I think Newcastle just, if Callum Wilson kicks on to, not last year, because it wasn't exactly fantastic last year, but the season before, he can get to that level quite quickly. I think Newcastle have got themselves like a a 15-plus goal scorer, which is something they badly need. So, um, yeah, I'm going to edge Newcastle. But terrible, terrible game. I guess we can save probably some time. Well, I, Frank, I guess you didn't make your um, your pick, though. Yeah. Uh, if I had to pick the winner, I think I'd go with Eddie with the draw. I think the better bet might be the over. I know Sam could said it could be 1-0, but I could also see it being 2-2 very easily with them just letting up shit goals. Yeah. And I guess we can move on then talking about two of the worst teams in the league. And then we could speak about arguably who most are predicting to be the worst team in the league. So West Brom Leicester. I am just going to base the fact that I think West Brom are going to be really bad and that Leicester are going to be a top eight team. And I'm going to back Leicester to win. 
I'll make it easy. I agree. Same. Same reasoning too. Yeah, uh, I, I think Leicester are a better team. Um, I really like, by the way, Leicester's, um, they signed uh, Castagna from Atlanta. I, I think that's a really good buy. And I just think as long as Leicester do, well, they were terrible in the second half of last season. But if they, if the players fire, I, I think they'll be top 10 again. So, yeah, I, I think West Brom are getting relegated. So I can see that being a Leicester win. I'll, I'll throw one out for Eddie just to piss him off. I'll say Vardy gets a brace. Yeah, it's exactly the type of match. He's a flat track bully, right? So he'll probably score yep. a hat trick and everyone will be raving against him because he scored a hat trick against West Brom. Good for yep. him. Thank and you. then maybe maybe we can move on to, I mean, what's arguably the best match of the weekend, which is Spurs-Everton. Tough one to pick. Everton looked different, right, compared to our Premier League uh, review uh, preview a couple of weeks ago. The, what they've signed, James Rodriguez, which is... Um, I mean, that's Ancelotti, right? That's the only reason he's gone there. It's Ancelotti. But they've also signed Allen. Um, they actually look a pretty good team now. Um, I, did, I will say this. I did read an article which was, if your career ever involves you going from Real Madrid to Everton, then your career has not gone well. Something's happened, right? Yeah. Um, I, I don't like Spurs. I, I just, I can see this been a score draw. I, I don't. I don't really rate Spurs, if I'm honest. I still think they'll finish sixth, but I just don't rate them. Uh, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a draw on this one. I think Everton, Everton's signings will make them better what, than what I said um, in the review uh, preview. I mean, I obviously I I thought Everton were going to be the, one of the teams that improved the most. I, I still stand by that. The signings have only reinforced that. That being said, I think this will be a Mourinho special. And I think Spurs will grind out a win. Sheffield United, Wolves, and uh, Brighton, Chelsea. Yeah, I can do those ones quickly. I'll, I obviously think that Sheffield United are going to be significantly worse this year. So I'll take Wolves mm-hmm. and Chelsea. I just think I always have these, this, these doubts about Chelsea because they do have weird results. Um, but given their signings and how good they look like they could be, I you got to assume they're going to be able to be Brighton. Yeah, I, I think the same. I think Wolves, Wolves have increased, uh, like improved their squad slightly. So they're going to stay roughly where they were. Uh, Sheffield United are going to plummet. So uh, yeah, I'm going Wolves win. Chelsea, Chelsea have spent big. And actually it's a little bit, England speaking, it's a little bit frustrating because people like Tammy Abrahams and Mason Mount, who looked good last year, um, are probably going to be in way more competition for their places so much so that they're probably not actually in the um, first team really for this. They're going to be a lot more bit part players, which is a shame for England in a way, because they're both really encouraging players, but yeah, Chelsea, Chelsea signings look good. They're so kind of forward heavy now in terms of, I think they'll score a lot of goals this season. Frank, any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. I think Chelsea to win for sure. Wolves Sheffield, I could see a draw. That's what I would pick if I had to pick that match. But I would, if you held a gun up to my head, Eddie, I might just say no pick <laughs> and take the bullet. <laughs> and, 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 and Spurs, Spurs, Everton. He didn't make a pick. Yes, I like Spurs actually in that a lot. Um, okay, they're they're all healthy, right? I, I mean, it's been a For while now, since yeah. that team's For been now, healthy. Yeah. So maybe the first match, while they're all so healthy, they can win if they can get three points on the board. Yep. All right, now that wraps up the uh, 
I guess then seeing as we've picked every match in the Premier League and every match in the NFL, does anyone want to throw out a their best bet of the weekend, either as a single or as accumulator or parlay, I guess, for our American listeners? Well, I've done one, Eddie, that I put in this morning that I can let you rip apart if you want. Go for it. Okay, so I did a 12-team parlay, which You're surprisingly gone. wasn't to win that much. <laughs> So I, I always love that right off the start when it's a Is twelve team and you're not even winning you, that can much. Can you tip? Can you genuinely yeah. tip a twelve team? Do we want to? You know, I. Well, I'll, I'll just not, run I'm it through not, quick. And Eddie, how about you tell me where you, you know think I'm it not loses? A, you know, I'm not opposed to to like the odd uh, big accumulator. It's it's right up my like. I find it a lot of fun to follow one over the week. But I don't know if you want your betting credibility to rely on the fact that you're throwing out your tel- twelve. Your twelve one to eight shots. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much what it is. Okay, throw so, throw them at me. Chiefs. Okay. Bills. Win. win. Eagles. Iffy, but probably win. Niners. Win. Arsenal. Iffy, but probably win. Liverpool. Win. Chelsea. Iffy, but probably win. Celtic. Win, but it's Celtic, so so who knows? But Celtic. Uh, England in the England in the one day cricket. Oh, coin toss. Yeah, I know that's that's the tough one. Um, And then Iowa State is is playing Louisiana Lafayette. That's college football. Um, And then Zverev and Osaka. I mean, look, I don't disagree, openly disagree with any of those selections, but it's 12, t- 12 things. So predicting 12 things yeah. to be right, highly unlikely, even if they're all heavy favorites. Some of those aren't heavy favorites. Where you're most likely to lose, your most likely loss is probably England in the cricket. Like that's the yeah. riskiest one because that yeah, literally yeah. is a coin toss. Like, um, I still See, I now think I've, England- I put that in there. I put that in there because it's tomorrow, correct? It's on Friday. Yeah, it's tomorrow. So you, you yeah. it will be your first. It will be your second thing. You just lose the exactly. Chiefs. Yeah, and, and um, yeah, and Osaka is tonight. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You lose those two things. Um, yeah. I mean, look, and on paper, it probably should win, but it's twelve events, so it won't. Exactly. Yeah. I figure it's a good weekend one though, because you know, like I said, if I can get past the England on Friday. Then I have some decent things to root for Saturday, and if that fault that goes through, then Sunday, you know, I have some investment in watching some of the football where I don't have to put any other bets on. Really, well, why don't you try and crawl clawbacks a little bit of credibility here and throw out like an actual decent tip? Yeah, well, let me hear your first. Shall <laughs> shall I shall I go? Yep, go for it. Pile driver. In the scent ledger. Do you want to save that until after we've discussed the horse racing slightly? You, you've, you've thrown it in there, so you, you, you're you on record. Pile driver is your pick, but do you want to save the horses till we've done a bit of the, I guess we'll wrap up with the horse preview. Do you want to save that there? Sure. Well, my my bets kind of revolve around that. So Okay, well, you'll have to do yours post. I'll do mine's easy. I'm just going to do a budget booster, simple accumulator slash parlay which is liverpool to win chiefs to win tonight niners to win bills to win that's it no overlapping events 
just nice fourfold. It is 2.7. I'm not saying, look, it's not, none of those picks are original or going against the grain. Um, but they are, to me, it's first week of Premier League, first week, in, week of the NFL. All I want is a nice, simple bet. I get to focus on each game individually. None of those games are at the same time. And also at the same time, hopefully it wins and you get a nice little budget boost for week two. Maybe start to be a bit more adventurous once, you, once you've doubled your, your betting pot. That's going to be my approach. So Eddie knows that I love teaser bets, which Sam, you might not even know what a teaser bet is, but it's basically for football, you can tease it all the point spreads like six, seven, or even 10, I believe. Yeah. yeah so I, I usually that. do like, I usually do a six pointer. Um, and I liked some of the ones in, in that, but I don't feel like reading that off. Cause I think I had eight teams in there. So I'm going to stick with Jamie Vardy, two goals or more. Score. Two yeah, goals, two, or goals. More. two goals or more. Jamie Vardy. You can get Jamie Vardy to score two goals or more at four to one. I thought it'd be a little better than that, but I'll still stick with it. <laughs> He's 16 to 1 for the hat trick. You want to get fours? No, no, no. We don't get crazy. Oh, one goal. So if I was going to put non horse racing into my tip, it would be Arsenal, uh, Chelsea, and the Bills. They would be my three to win. But as we talk about horse racing, so that pays 2.3 to 1. And that's just the Bills outright, Arsenal and Chelsea outright as well. But going nicely on into the football, uh, into the horse racing, um, I would pile on pile driver and I put Guy F in there. Um, and if you, if you put those five together, it pays 19 to one. And I think that's a really solid fivefold uh, for the weekend. I'm, yeah, I, I think so. You're talking about uh, pile driver in the St. Ledger. The big question mark, obviously, Pile Driver has kind of done nothing wrong so far, and there's a lot of confidence in its camp. I still have question marks that it can stay the distance because it's just two furlongs further, I think, than it's ever raced. So that to me is the big question mark. I don't like um, backing a horse when it's unknown to stay. Uh, and so, in that case, I won't have that confidence in Pile Driver. But personally, for me, the same ledger this year is kind of a stay away. But I, I can understand. There's every chance that Pile Driver is the best horse in that race, but I, I would want to see it race over that distance first. Yeah, Sam and I talked about this off air a little bit before, but my biggest question mark is obviously the O'Brien factor. Um, he has Santiago in it, who he clearly likes and thinks is a good horse, and he's had several other horses race against Pile Driver, so he knows exactly what Pile Driver brings to the table. And for me, he's leaving Santiago in this race where alternatively he could have put him in the Irish St. Ledger what a day or two later where he surely would win because there's, I don't think it's even a group one horse in the Irish St. Ledger that's running this year. So he's going to take that risk of potentially having a, a pretty easy win in the Irish St. Ledger and sending him to the St. Ledger. So he must think he has a pretty decent chance in Santiago. And that's my only worry, I think, is what you're saying. Maybe Piledriver can't say the distance and he knows, you know, Santiago can, uh, you know, he did that. He did the, the, the two mile race uh, against Stradivarius. So we know he can stay. So that's my worry is that maybe Aiden O'Brien knows exactly what he's got to go against and that he can beat it. 
the Tories booked as well, right? To ride Santiago. So that's an interesting one. Interesting booking there. So Dottori must have a little bit of respect for it to, to have opted to take the ride. I mean, I know he would have had nothing otherwise, but he could have just, yeah, he's going to Paris right uh, on Sunday. So he could, and then just staying in Paris for a little bit, he could have just, he could have just gone to Paris if he'd wanted to. So he obviously thinks he's got a decent chance. Yeah. And he is riding O'Brien's horses because Ryan Moore will be in Ireland this week for the, um, Irish Champions, Irish, Champ- Champions Irish, weekend, Irish Champions right? weekend, yeah, yeah. So that, that the big the big horse there is what is it, Sam? The immortal Gaia. Exactly. Probably not immortal, but well, only time <laughs> will tell, Eddie. Yeah. Here's the thing: <laughs> is really? we have to address we have to address two things here. I am I 100 believe in Gaia in this race. I think it's difficult to see. At the moment, right, it's Japan and Magical as the main opposition. I yeah. don't see any reason. I don't see why Magical would reverse the form with Gaias from their previous meeting. And I just don't see why Japan is suddenly going to turn into the horse it looked like it used to be. Yeah. So it's difficult. Even Gaias, even if Gaias is a little bit below par, I think it still wins that race. Um, but it is, the, I guess, the one thing, this is a big arc prep weekend. Uh, in various races across the UK and Ireland and in France. And it's probably for you, the, both of you, obviously you have your anti-post bet on Gaia to win the arc. The fact that it's gone to this race may not be the best sign for the fact that it's headed to the arc. Ah, so we spoke about this as well. And I'm not so sure. We're confident, Eddie. <laughs> I don't think, I actually don't think it changes much. Um, also Buick doesn't have to quarantine by going to Ireland. So nothing really changes in that respect. Um, I just think this will be a run out for Gaia th- three weeks before the arc. I, I honestly think he doesn't need to be that pushed for this either. And also, truth be told, uh, this is Frank's point actually, is that this will be the fourth group one win pretty pretty comfortably, beating a lot of horses, got the best um, rating. Uh, well, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold it, on. It could be the fourth group. Let's not start talking in the past tense. For a race, he said he said it could be his fourth group one. Well, I thought you said it. W- you are would... so quick to go down on me. You are so quick to slap. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa. <laughs> <laughs> you are you are mistaking me for one of your boys, Sam. I'm not quick to go down on you. <laughs> but no, I I don't I don't see this as being a problem for the arc at all. If anything, it gives me a bit more confidence that he's having another uh, run out against pretty good comfort competition, right? Something uh, Enables we'll hasn't had. Hey, I thought I thought Enables. I mean, we didn't really. We spoke last time. I guess we we made mention of the fact that Enable was going to race at the weekend. It raced against a bunch of nothing. Some people have read into it and said it didn't do enough because it kind of idled out in front. I thought it went through the gears in the way the only way it could have done. I was reasonably impressed with it. Tory was happy. Galston was happy. So you just have to take it that way. And talking of yeah. Galston horses, that might be Wait, going real to quick, the arc. Just, mm-hmm. just touching back on what Sam said, whether he'll, uh, Gaiath will race in the arc. I mean, if it does win its fourth group one, it's a pretty easy excuse then to send it to the arc. If it kind of craps out a little bit again, the owners can say like, listen, we, every group one we put it in before the arc, it won. So it won every group one we put it in. We just want to give it another shot in the arc. 
obviously it's not a big horse feel uh, a big field horse and that's the reason or that's the excuse they can make easy excuses out of it when you're on the back of having an undefeated group one season previously so i i still don't see why they wouldn't just send it to the arc if the reason they the reason they wouldn't right is that you can say the reason they wouldn't is because instead of throwing it into maybe the most difficult race of the year they could send it to champions day at ascot where there's a good chance it's facing little to no opposition it will be favorite it will probably win another group one and then you get to have a perfect season and they get to say that they didn't dodge the arc. They just had other races in mind. Yeah, and but everyone they, will know is it dodged the arc. Maybe, but they still doesn't have that blot on its copybook, right? So <sighs> to me, I, I, all I can say is this, Mike. If it goes to the arc again and it loses in the fashion that it lost last time in the arc, which seems unlikely because it definitely does seem to be an improved horse. So finishing dozens of lengths back, lengths back seems to be unlikely. If it does, then throw out everything it's achieved this season, honestly, because no, it beat it beat a it beat an eighty five percent fit enable, and then it beat a bunch of other horses that, for the most part, are horses that take part in Group One races, one races, but don't win them. No, you're crazy. I'm you're not having that hater, because, uh, but yeah, you're, you're a, a hater. hater because because also <laughs> like Gaeth, we we've said this before. Like in the Eclipse, Gaeth may have been eighty five percent as well. That does doesn't mean anything the no 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 no. hold on hold on sorry let's not get into that we can't just speculate what percentages horses are you had a trainer say it's 85 percent first run of the year that 85 percent makes perfect sense i'm not just picking enable being 85 percent because it didn't win you can't just say oh gaieth might have been 85 yeah, but they too. may not they on that basis i could say oh, well, anything well then you're lucky sam because enable's never been better than 12 percent, and look at all the races it's won so aren't we lucky it's never been fully yeah. fit like, well all i'd say is gaieth's clearly been in more com- competitive fields and group ones you're right and i'll say this too i'll apply it equally if enable goes to the arc and loses badly throw out everything it's achieved this season <laughs> as being pointless <laughs> So now it's not even a good horse anymore if it loses. No, 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 no. Throw out what it's achieved this season. This season. Well, yeah, because it hasn't done, it hasn't run against anything. And when it did, it lost. So it's not no, really, it, there's more for on. Guy F to throw out than it's still Enable. Won, it's still, it's still won a group one. What, the King George? Two group ones, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, two. Oh, wait, the September is in not a group in one, the is September it? stakes is not a group one. I don't think. No, see, because I think at the end of the year, at the end, when it's all said and done, five years from now, it's just going to be an, another group one in that number of how many group ones that it wins. So no one's going to remember that like, oh, that last group one, that was the one where it lost in the arc really poorly. So we're not going to count that one. It's still going to be counted just the same. I'll just say this. I, five, years, five years from now, if Gaieth goes to the arc and loses in convincing fashion, we won't really be talking about Gaieth. Gaieth will if reappear. If Gaieth is still racing five years from now, no, that would be you impressive. Know we won't really be talking about Gaia. It will come, it will pop up every once in a while as like, you know, a, a, some of the races it won will be there and it'll be like, look at this dominant performance from 2020 when Gaia won. But we won't, it won't be kind of figuring in the uh, sort of discussion of sort of greatest horses of its generation or its time period. If it goes, so here, Eddie, lose, if it wins, here's, here, no, wait, wins, no, here's my win. argument though, Eddie. Here's my argument. If five years from now it dodges the arc, and goes to Ascot and wins again. And Sam and I go, man, that guy, wasn't that the greatest horse ever? What are you going to say? 
no, it wasn't because he dodged the arc. So no, either no, no, way, no. whether he races no, 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 or not, no, you're no, going to no, say, no. He, well, no. he wasn't one of the best that year because he wouldn't even race in the arc in a big no, field. No, no. If it, if it goes to champion stakes at, at uh, Champions Day at, at Ascot and wins there, if it wins this weekend and then wins at Cham- Champions Day, it's definitely horse of the year. And it gets to be, it will get to call itself the sort of best horse of the year without doubt. So do you say it's better than Enable? Do you personally say? Well, it, it, no, hold on, we're judging two different well, things. What? Will it become a better horse than Enable? No, because Enable has won two ARCs and a host of other group ones. It's won against stiffer competition than Gaieth has won yet. So assuming that Gaieth doesn't win the ARC, and also then at the same time assuming Enable doesn't win the ARC, no, that's not going to change my overall perception. Will that one of them have the better year? Of course, and been the better horse in 2020, for sure. But better horse so overall? No. Let's say Gaieth wins Ascot, Enable gets second in the arc. Did Gaieth have a better year than Enable? Yeah, 100%, yeah. What if Enable also wins the arc? Then no. Because but it will be... Gaieth beat Enable. It doesn't matter. The arc is the premier flat horse race arguably in the world but certainly in continental europe right and winning the arc for the third time in its career is going to put it into a status that no other horse is in so that the only goal for enable this year the only reason it's been brought back is to win the arc for the third time that's the only reason it's still racing had it won the arc last year and not finished second it wouldn't be back this year they've just brought it back to chase history so if it achieves that, then you'd have to say season is a success. It could have lost every race up to the arc, won the arc, and you would have gone great year for Enable. But the fact that it only lost, would have only lost its sort of, you know, reappearance in a group one um, to a very, very good horse, then no, that's, it would have, you would classify that as an extremely successful year. You know who is racing in the Grand Prix de Paris? Serpentine. Serpentine. It'll be interesting to see it run again. It will be very interesting to see if it is as good as its Derby performance or if it is a one-trick pony. It's a little bit tough to judge the Serpentine one, though, because also, similarly, it's not... I mean, it's racing against, okay, Port Guillaume. So there it's difficult to, to judge. And in Swoop, I know a lot of people are talking about kind of positively for the arc, but you got Mogul as a third favorite. So... You kind of know what the limit there is on Mogul, right? So even if Serpentine wins that race, it will be impossible to kind of say, oh, definitely good Derby winner. But, but if, it loses, if it loses this race, the Derby yes. looks bad. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, that's a bigger point, I think. Because even, even looking at it, like Power Driver was in that Derby, right? And came, what, 11th? Finished like 15 lengths off? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean... It's, it's interesting more so for the horses behind Serpentine, I think, than the actual winner. So my other picks for the weekend, uh, you have Fancy Blue is racing again. And I've bet on Fancy Blue every time it's raced this year. Uh, and it's done really well its last two. Um, so I'm going to stick with that. It's a pretty heavy favorite. I think it is right under two to one maybe. And it's racing against um, Peaceful. And uh, I forget the other horse that's racing against. But it, it beat Peaceful in the last race. So I think it'll stick with that. Um, and then Gaieth, of course I like Gaieth. So I would put those two together with Eddie's 
four picks that he had, and that would be, I think, a pretty solid bet. That would get you up to probably around 10 to, 10 to 1. Yeah, and I mean, also, right, we haven't spoken about Stradivarius testing itself over one mile four in the pre-foy. So it's odds-on favorite. It's not racing against anything that on paper looks like it should be able to beat it if Stradivarius handles that distance. Obviously, it's not a question of staying. It's a question of can it race efficiently over that distance. You've got Anthony Van Dyke in that race. So it's another one, O'Brien trotting out a horse that's won a group one for him but kind of hasn't done a lot since then. Um, but if Stradivarius doesn't win this, I would say you don't send it to the arc. To me, it's pretty simple. I know they will anyway, because obviously that's the goal of the owner. Bjorn Nielsen's going to send it to the arc because he wants an arc horse. But fundamentally, if it, if it can't win this, you, you can't send it out into a, a bigger field over the same distance at the same track against just higher quality. It just wouldn't make sense. The other horse I would actually say is worth keeping an eye on this weekend too is I'm not even sure how to say it. Rabaha, Rabiha, French horse racing in the Prix Verme. And uh, Jean-Claude Rouget is the trainer. And Jean-Claude Rouget, big French trainer, says that apart from love, this is the only horse that is, should be in the discussion to win the arc. Wow. That's his, he said love That's is bold. the clear. He said love is the, the deserved favorite, but that apart from that, it's a two-horse race as far as he's concerned between the two of them. Well, we'll have to see about that. Um, there actually is another good race Sunday in Nakura. Uh, now that I remembered it, the national stakes or the Vincent O'Brien national stakes, you have three horses in there that could be potential guineas horses next year with Lucky Vega, who's favored over Battleground, which is pretty interesting. So Battleground is the O'Brien horse uh, out of found that did really well in uh, Royal Ascot and then followed that up with another nice win and Masters of the Sea, Master of the Seas, who's a Appleby horse who is also undefeated right now. So the three of them are going up on Sunday against each other. And the winner of that will probably be the favorite for the guineas next year. Uh, so that's, that's going to be an interesting one. race. Yeah. We also missed, we, we didn't, we didn't preview a really interesting race that took place today, which was a logician's reappearance in the first opening race of the day today oh. at Doncaster. Wasn't it a two horse race? It was a two horse race. Literally a was, two horse it was, race. <laughs> it was it was thrilling. I think this SP was one to fourteen, something like that. And uh my word, was it an impressive performance. <laughs> and if we're gonna recap a little, we should probably have recapped the Kentucky Derby. We didn't recap that at all. Um coming off of Last week, we all predicted tis the law, and it was actually a, a good race. I mean, I think that's all you can ask for in a big race like that, like the Kentucky Derby, is where you have the favorite come around the sh- come around onto the, the home straight, and he's there with everything to win it with one other horse, and the other horse kind of pushed past and beat him uh, in authentic. So that was, that was a good race. Yeah, tis the law loomed up as if, he was going to win yeah. the race. I mean, if you'd, if you'd done in-running betting, right, and if you'd sort of looked at the odds as they came around the bend, I think you would have made Tizalaw a heavy, heavy favorite at that point. Um, so the fact that uh, Authentic kind of found another gear and Tizalaw sort of didn't was, was a little bit surprising. We'd obviously discussed a little bit of the Baffert uh, 
doping controversy. I think it's a little bit sad to have a Baffert horse win the Kentucky Derby. And I hope for the Kentucky Derby's sake that it doesn't come out later on in the year that there's more doping there just because to have the controversial disqualification the year, the year before, then follow that up with maybe a doping scandal with this year. It just makes horse racing overall look really bad. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think we will, but well, they'll, co- they'll cover it up for sure. If I were them, <laughs> no, legitimately, if, if I were them and it came and it tests positive, just, just bury it. Cause American well, horse racing, looks- American horse racing looks, already gets such a bad rap for all the horses dying at various tracks that to then throw on the fact that even even in the prestigious races, it's just a total mess. I mean, it, it would be a sorry. Well, it looks really good for the University of Arizona because Bob Baffert is a graduate of the University of Arizona, who ha- which have the only horse racing industry program degree you can get in the country. So another nice win for the University of Arizona. But yeah, I, I completely agree. It was it was a good race. And when when they hit that stretch, I definitely thought Tis the Law was gonna pull out I, I, on top. I mean, it looked super comfortable, but Authentic definitely just found that extra gear. So the interesting part is one of Baffert's horses that ended up dropping out right before the race, Thousand Words, had beat not beat authentic, but um, had beat another Baffert horse, but it had done so going out to like a heavy lead early on, which is what authentic did. So had that horse still been in the race, it would have been interesting to see if he had kind of pushed authentic for the lead a little bit and tired authentic out a little more, which then definitely would have set up right for tis the law. So it's interesting that one of Baffert's horses that drops out last minute could have actually impacted the Baffert horse that actually won. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so I guess that wraps up everything we've got going this weekend. A very busy weekend. As Sam said, he's very excited that real sports are back. That's what he texted us this morning. So, yeah, I cannot agree more. Uh, I got about another, what, hour to go until football's back and then a really good weekend of American football and European football. So, I guess the only thing we can say, game four of the Lakers-Rockets uh, series is going on right now it's just in the first quarter but it is worth mentioning that tomorrow is game seven of the celtics raptors series and the that will determine if the celtics win that series then sam will beat me in the head-to-head picking of this round of the nba no playoffs. no no oh he won't just beat you sam the squid <laughs> sam sam the squid will have beat sam you. the squid will beat me and not only that he will be in a position to potentially go four for four on his picks, which considering he picked um, one relatively large upset, right? The Milwaukee Bucks were the number one seed, the Miami Heat, the fifth seed. They're the first first fifth seed to make the um, conference final since I think the Memphis Grizzlies in 2013. So it doesn't happen that often. The squid just knows when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will be interesting to see if you can carry that form on into the into the next round, but we'll see. I mean, the Raptors. I'm surprised that kind of because they got blown out so badly in Game Five. I expected them to lose Game Six. So, and that just worth saying that might be the best playoff basketball game you know for a long time. I mean, that was such a great double overtime game. Um, 
The Raptors that. game? Yeah. Do you know that n- neither of them scored with two minutes left or lower in the fourth quarter? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't matter. To me, the intensity, like sometimes the execute, like I'm not going to judge it on the execution, right? And their execution in the two periods of overtime was incredible. So they made up for the kind of stuttering. <laughs> the terrible <at> the, finish. <laughs> yeah. They made up for that by two really high quality periods of overtime. Yeah. And, I, and now that you mentioned this, it's, this is going to set up for a really great next podcast because we'll have week one of the NFL to dissect. We'll have week one of the Premier League to dissect. We'll, and then we'll have Sam the Squids NHL predictions and Sam the Squids NBA predictions to kind of give a, a follow-up on. Yeah. Good and, do, a yeah. Lot, and a lot of horse racing fallout. All right. Well, until then, boys, I'll talk to you later. Yep. I'll go clean up my smashed painting. <laughs> See you guys. And cheerio. <laughs> <laughs>